0: We've got our college football expert For the first Or college basketball too For the first time We'll say to my right A.J. Hoffman Who is going to impress you That is the sure thing here Is you're going to say That guy knows his college basketball But he's a radio guy Why would he know so much college basketball? He doesn't talk about it on the radio, does he? And say, yeah, but hey It's for now Now is the time And we got Steve Fezik Who... I think picked up some fans when you were uh, on the Sunday show last week, right? Yes. So you think a lot of just hearing you it's say some people had to convert.
1: I think it's the perfect marriage where we got AJ's college basketball knowledge and my betting acumen. it pairs well together.
0: I agree, I agree. So what I'm going to do is talk about a handful of games with you guys at the front, let you do the meat sandwich, come in at the end with a few thoughts. I almost was going to do a full participation, but I think I would have made, like, four mistakes. I would have had, like, ten good points. I would have made, like, four mistakes that that would have, I think, gotten in the way. So the goal for tomorrow is full, uh, full participation. We'll see if I can pull it off. AJ, how you feeling about the tournament?
2: I feel good. I, it's hard to put together a bracket, and Fez and I were talking off the air about... If you want to bet into these numbers, you're waiting until the day the game tips off, you're probably too late.
0: Well, you're too late if you want value, right, on most of the games. Right. Unless the public is embracing
1: an overrated, you know, um, public team.
0: Do you feel like as – back in the day, it was always the NFL gets the most public action. It has the biggest say in – What the line is, NFL, the public does. But they have, you know, Yankees mattered, right? The uh, Lakers mattered, meaning that the public love affected their pricing. As legalization now is years in, it's getting to be humongous, obviously, with all the media spend, and a lot of people are betting. How has the public's influence on the line evolved let's say, in something like the NCAA tournament, what would you expect? How, could you just be a contrarian batter and bet against the public, or is the public not have enough say in these lines?
1: I think the public doesn't have as much say. Than five did. years ago. That's right. But there's more public betting. There is. So explain. The well, the public's betting twenty dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars. They were five years ago too. I think some of the biggest betting syndicates are are more well funded now. That okay. they might have been betting twenty thousand. Some of these syndicates and now they're betting two hundred thousand. And all it takes is for them to you know throw out a, a a market order on something to go ahead and whack the point spreads back down.
0: So what you're saying is, because the liquidity of these markets is so substantial, because of legalization, that. The economic case to fund a syndicate, maybe a syndicate. Now, what is a syndicate? It's multiple people, usually going to be more than five, I'd say. Because if you have three, you have a betting group. It's not a syndicate. I don't know where the line is. But a lot of these, I mean, the biggest syndicates, and some of this is speculation, but you've got some real insight, Steve, is... How many people are in, let's say, the, the, the top couple biggest syndicate? Are there 20 people working? Now, not necessarily full-time, but are getting paid a substantial amount of money and are helping this syndicate-slash-group win. What's the number? I would
1: say there's like eight full-time guys, and then there'd be 20 guys. You nailed it. Like Kind of on the outside, maybe a guy who's a professional poker player, and he plays at the Mirage every single day, and here's a guy – that's just kind of a friends of syndicate that they'll send them and say, "Look, if you can get Murray State a pick, get us that."
0: Okay, now if we're talking the movers, yeah, I think there's more than that. Could well be, I yeah, because with Could all be hundred, yeah, with yep. all the white labels, right, and they're turning them over. I mean, really, the the pitch they make, and we won't get too deep into this now. Maybe next week when we have the time where there's not as many games. But the pitch usually is, get us 5000 or, or and that feels like the right number. You can tell me if you disagree. And anything else after that, you can bet whatever you want, right? Yeah. So in a way, you're, you're trading the commitment. In a way, you're booking the info, but you're going to lay it off, right? You're, the commitment to give them that action, and in return, you get the information. Does that sound right? Yes, exactly. And usually, what's that number that, that they got to get off? I think it varies by person. I think it really all depends. Now, with a sophisticated group, like uh, let's say allegedly Billy Walters back in the day, or now, who knows, is... They would have levels where, like, hey, this was the first because Billy wasn't calling someone out. He might have had his six people he reached out to. They had their people. In in a way, it's a multi-level, uh, not a scam, but multi-level marketing where if you could get five people past you, maybe you'd get to pick second, and in the second tier, and they'd get in the third tier.
1: Exactly. This is documented in the movie, um, "The Sharp Money" by Koenig, I believe. So the book.
0: Yes. There is no movie. It's a book. You're
1: right. Yes, go ahead. I misspoke. So Koenig would be like level one, as you mentioned, that he'd be like sitting at Caesar's Palace in the suite, and they'd call him and say, hey, bet the under 52,
0: up to 50,000. He's a VIP, whatever you can get. So
1: Koenig gets his bet there, one specific
0: place. So just to be clear, Koenig wasn't the guy, right? It was supposedly uh, the dude who was with Demi Moore, the young guy. What was, uh, Ashton Kusher was the rumored and i think he came out in like gq and said it was him i'm not sure hmm. about that but 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 correct me if i'm wrong but he was he was representing how others did this was Koenig, actually, Koenig actually did it, yeah. Did he was actually himself.
1: placing the bets as well. So there'd okay. be there'd be okay.
0: Ashton Kusher and Koenig.
1: There'd be like one guy at Bellagio, one guy at Caesars, one guy at MGM. So he uh, Billy would have like four or five of these guys, these level oh, one guys. Who knows how many, right? Who knows how many, no one knows. And those guys would get the first kick at the can. And then after those guys played you know, bets that were above the normal limits, then it would, like you said, it would go out to the second tier guys to get
0: more down. Okay, so. I would hate to disagree, but I think that guys like – because Koenig represents a writer who maybe was a sports fan that could have some money. I mean, it was always what story, what camouflage would this guy have to be making these bets? Right. And then the theory is even if he wins – it, it, they won't shut him off immediately because they're thinking. But he wasn't
1: ideal because how did this guy get a million
0: dollars? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think with him it was maybe more for the book sale. Oh, who knows, right? But mm-hmm. I guess I think that that is something that there wasn't levels beyond a, a celebrity face, mm-hmm. but rather they'd be off to the side where they'd be a one level kind of arrangement, right? And the others would be this the senior guys moving would have their own team behind them. Yes. Does that sound right? It does. It's almost like that if like AJ and radio sales guys often move with their team. Right? Where they might only have two or three people. Right. But like these are people they've worked with at a couple stations. And if they leave, if the head guy leaves, they're going to go with
2: him. Multiple salespeople will go with him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's like you got this mover that's got maybe six or seven serious people beneath him that he brings to the table. And thus he'd get it first, they'd get it second, et cetera. Yes. And what's really fascinating is once Billy allegedly understood. The nature of the participants, he would then start to give them only certain things. So if someone was leaking, if someone was giving it to too many people, like Steve Fezzik maybe was getting it from someone that was at level two or even level one. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, I'm going to dummy this one up. Boom, give him the wrong side. Oh, everyone's batting hand over fist. And now the line goes from 3.5 to 5.5. And, and then the real bats come in at
1: 5.5. Yes, and Billy was especially good. Like, whenever game was 6.5 and, and he loved the dog – that would be the game. He's like, God,
0: in football. Yeah, in football. Let's
1: get it up to seven. Let's, <laughs> let's 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 head fake it. The six, the minus six and a half, because seven's such a key number. Obviously, that you you want to do it when you're a half point away from a number
0: that's so juicy. Well, why don't we do this? Let's commit at the uh, end, or maybe even the final four week, or the week after. We'll do a full discussion on this. Beautiful, and uh, and I think it's fascinating. But I do think the takeaway here, that's the most important, and it's new, is the liquidity in the market, which just means the volume, pretty much, is gone up. But that, and, and most of that's public action. But the public's percentage of the overall action has gone down because the acceptance of sports betting. As a legitimate business, has more, you know, the scale of it and the legitimacy has more investors and thus their ability. You know, getting capital is the start of growing anything, most anything you don't want to bootstrap and thus there's more capital involved. Thus, the syndicates are a bigger percentage. That's not right?
1: Yes. Just by example, I caught Johnny Avello on DraftKings discussing the openers and he said, Oh, we've taken several $50,000 bets against these openers. Oh. Whoa. I don't ever remember. 50K bets being allowed by anybody against an opener. But
0: are we sure it's not a table? Well, I guess they don't have table players, do Yeah. Because that was a win. He was always one to accommodate yeah. the table players. Because if a guy's betting $15,000 a hand of blackjack, are you going to really sweat the 50 that he has – either a negative 5% or a plus. Oh, it could be a negative 15% ROI all the way to a plus 5%. Right? Cause you it,
2: want his action at your it, casino. You don't
0: want to piss him off.
2: Right? Loses then, that, that
0: One
1: blackjack hand who cares if we win or lose it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then he'd have to then explain the, you know, so yeah, obviously it was conflicting. Um, uh, when you last thing, when you say openers from drag, I mean, you're talking about it's been open at Chris, it's been open at, I mean, no. he wasn't doing world openers, was it? It was the world opener. It came up and he was taking 50 dimes 50 on the world 50 dimes.
1: Op- 15 minutes after the the, the, the brackets on. were released, I caught it on the, I, right, I, I caught right. it I, and I saw the screen. It come, came, came up. They opened up Gonzaga
0: at 22, South Point opened 27, for instance. There were some big differences. Well, one thing I give Avello credit for, for years, it was intermittent, but for years he had the world opener in college football. Yes. Even before the offshores at times. Yes. Good point. But this would be something they were taking two or three dimes on? Yeah, 2K. Uh, Is that right? Okay. And still give him a ton of credit. Sure. But then when Chris would open up potentially, let's say some years, an hour or two later, and usually, when someone opens before Chris, and that's also known as bookmaker.eu, that let's say that uh, Bet Online is opened at uh, three. And let's say it's basketball, so we're not really worried about uh, key numbers. Key, right? All right, so it's three. Now, Chris opens at five and a half. All right, the line will go to either five and a half or five because you're going to get some middling, some, but you know, and Bet Online would move on air and get it there. So in a way, it was like we'll take the early action. We think that we are sharp enough to do that. That's Bet Online's perspective. But when Daddy comes in and tells us what the line should be, we'll yeah, move Dad- right away. <laughs> Daddy, know yeah, and. Uh, you know, to this day, I'd say I would say Chris's dominant position as the source of the best information, or is going to be indicative of the best information, is stronger today that position than it's ever been.
1: I agree with that. Bet online may come out first, but and they, they the, take they take a real they crack. Take, they, um, they're taking 250 bucks on, uh, on on the opening totals. Total. Oh, okay. Yeah, totals. Well, I'm,
0: I was hearing they're taking five thousand on N- uh, N- NFL sides. Oh, I'm talking about first co-
1: college basketball tournament oh, totals. Oh, okay. so for, well, Yeah, forget
0: that. Go. Yeah, but still, if you're taking five thousand in NFL and you're first, you're doing something. Yeah, I misspoke. Those were NIT openers. Five hundred college basketball totals. There you go. You can. I mean, still, well, that's the opener, right? Yeah. The that's question. The, that's the
1: virgin. Yeah. I
0: mean, you can't get 250 at this. What is it, stations? You can't get 250 five minutes before the game, right? If if it's around Regular season game on I, the totals,
1: five hundred. But I only get to go to the window once a day, so I got to make all my bets at
0: once. <laughs> Aww, poor Steve. hard poor times, Steve. Poor Steve. All right. So where are we starting? Nate? Why, why don't you do the games?
2: Yeah, we are going to go in chronological order. Uh, and the first game of Thursday, Michigan Colorado State rotation number seven two seven seven two eight. This is played in Indianapolis, Indiana. Michigan now a two-and-a-half-point favorite, total 139-and-a-half.
0: All right, so right off, we've got a seeding discrepancy here.
1: Yeah, Michigan's the 11, and their favorite. This open pick, and so it got bet all the way up to minus two-and-a-half. A lot to like about Michigan here. Games in Indianapolis, in the heart of Big Ten country, so uh, they'll have the, the crowd. Now, is this
0: where the whole tournament was held last year? For that... Indianapolis was the center yeah, of it all. Yeah, Okay. I so, believe they had different venues in Indianapolis. Yeah, there they were had four, four
2: venues, v- but it was all in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. so
0: right. um, was Colorado State in last year's tournament? Can you check that, McKenzie? Yes. Uh, because in theory,
2: at least they're more comfortable with the area. Sure. But go, ahead, go sure. ahead. They were uh, in the NIT last year.
0: Okay, so they're
2: not.
1: Also, Colorado State, I know it's not a West Coast team, but it's a mountain time zone that has to play the first game here at, like, whatever, 9.30 a.m., so that's an advantage for
0: Michigan as well. Indianapolis is East Coast, though, right? No, nope, Central time. Is that right? They don't have daylight savings time, so they're kind of a hybrid. Okay, because— during the combine, someone was talking from Indianapolis, and they were saying we're East Coast, and may, like it was. that's
2: weird. Oh, maybe they, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. it is Eastern Time. zone. maybe that's what I was that's what was throwing me off about the time zone change. They don't they don't follow no, that. No,
0: that, that that wasn't throwing you
2: off. Indiana has two time zones.
0: Well, they have two different zones. One of them has daylight saving time; the other doesn't. Meaning that that once a year, at some point during the year. They're going to be lined up, and the other point, they're not.
2: Yeah, because like the the northwest corner and the southwest corner of Indiana are Central Time, and the the big chunk of Indiana is Eastern Time.
0: Well, how's this? I think it's not quite that, but you know what? Let's well, it'll be a tease for tomorrow's pot. I will have it already. The Rams are no, going to. be I understand groggy. that's how that that one map is
2: saying. Oh, okay. Uh, Either
0: way, the Rams are going to be groggy. Yeah, okay. Okay. I mean, what times that game start?
2: 9.30. That's first game in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's
0: interesting. So nine thirty Pacific. Uh-huh. And they're in mountain times. So it'd be ten thirty. I mean, so that's something. You know, I was going to be poo pooing it, but now you think about it, when does anyone start that early?
2: Only during conference tournaments. Yeah, but that's and, going the Mount, and the mountain and the Mountain West conference.
0: Cow, but the conference tournaments going to be
2: in the, and the Mount, what,
1: All the Mountain West
2: games were they were late. Late, yeah. I, I went to the Mountain West tournament, the semifinals, and didn't get out of there until midnight.
0: So when you hear about West Coast. So let's see, if it's a one o'clock, so it's 45 minutes before the games in the NFL, right? So that's a one Eastern. This is a twelve fifteen Eastern start. Yep. So 45 minutes before, uh, there's one less hour of fallback uh, from the mid uh, the mountain time zone. So you're looking at a comparable wake up to the NFL on East Coast, a West Coast team, one o'clock start. Yes. All right. How much do you move it for that? Half a point. Okay, so how much of this is that? And AJ, jump in here. And and again, uh, you should take the lead on these. Why don't you just brain dump on what, your thoughts?
2: Uh, I, this has it's a weird matchup because Colorado is, or Colorado State is very undersized. Michigan relies a lot on size. So Colorado State's best player is a guy named David Roddy. He's almost like a Charles Barkley type. He's six foot six, but he's a post guy, a rebounder, but he can shoot. But he's mostly he's their big. And when they when they play small, he's he plays the five. The problem is Michigan's big men are seven foot one Hunter Dickinson and six eleven Musa Diabate, who are actual legitimate bigs. It's going to be hard for him to establish himself down low and, and really get anything going. And Colorado State is a team who, if David Roddy's having a bad night, their team is not good. They they don't have secondary scoring particularly, and and the one guy that they have, Isaiah Stevens, every loss but one Colorado State had this year was when he scored above his season average, which is fifteen. The one the one that they that he didn't, they scored fourteen. So almost every loss they had this year was he had to become a primary scorer because David Roddy couldn't. David Roddy's a guy who gets in a lot of foul trouble, so this is problematic. So for Colorado if State, the,
0: if the second guy is required, it's a sign of a big problem. Yes. And he's typically, and what's the second guy's name?
2: Uh, Isaiah Stevens, is guard.
0: Stevens is typically required to take more, up more scoring load when the other team can defend in the post. Yes. Is that a fair way? And Michigan, not only big, but they are good defensively yeah. in the post? Okay. That kind of explains this line, right? Because what does Kempom, so Kempom's not going to consider the matchups. What does Kempom have
2: this game? at? Uh, it has Colorado State 1.
0: Okay, so now the question is, that's gospel, right? <laughs> well, is it or
2: isn't it? Uh, it, it, it I mean, usually for, for whoever put out the opening lines, it's gospel.
0: Okay, and so my question is, is this matchup advantage worth more than three points? Because if we've moved from Colorado State being a small favorite to now they're two, two a two, two-and-a-half-point dog. Well,
1: the is probably worth at so least a point.
0: Ken the- going to consider that, though.
1: Are they? they consider it to be just a neutral site.
0: Well, first off, we're not sure of that, are we? No. Because what I remember is if you go to – Ken Palm has every game from recent seasons listed. And I was glancing at it, Mm -hmm. and one thing they've got over when it says N is beside it, they've got a 1 sometimes and a 2 sometimes. And I'm not sure –
2: it, no, normally he normally he has home, away, neutral, and semi-home or semi-away, okay,
0: which is what. I uh, And how does he
2: account it, this for game? is listed as neutral.
0: Okay, so we know what it's listed at. Yeah, and in the semi-home, how many points is that typically? Usually
2: a point. So it's okay. like when when Kansas will play the the Big Twelve championship in Kansas City, mm-hmm. they're a semi-home mm-hmm. team.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're saying the home means something. Ken Palm's saying no. Yes. But how much? Half a point? I'd say one. All right, one. So that gets it to pick them at open, let's say. So now it's still moved to, you know, I guess going off of pick'em to ones a tick. So two mm. ticks now. Or I'm sorry, four ticks, right, to get to two and a half.
1: That's a lot of ticks for these all these ancillary,
0: yeah. somewhat nebulous It feels like advantages. it's keeping me. I was leaning towards Colorado State because my thought is Michigan got a lot of publicity off that fight. Mm -hmm. You know, Howard's back. I'm not sure it meant any different. I mean, Howard was smart enough. And tell me if I am wrong on this. He picked a really seasoned guy to be his bench coach because he needed taught in a way some of the stuff that he didn't know, though, as a face of the uh, institution uh, or the program, as a guy who could motivate and know some X's and O's, but evolve into it. I'm not sure how much he means. Yeah,
2: Phil, Phil Martelli, the former St. Joe's coach. So a guy who's been there, done that. Is, as
1: respected was, as they come.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. he was easy associate head coach there. And you're, since that fight, I mean, Michigan's been basically a 500 team. Um, but obviously playing a pretty tough schedule, a Big Ten schedule.
0: So are they better or worse than they were before the fight? The they same.
2: about the same.
0: one mm-hmm. at Ohio State. But
1: it's
2: seems... both the same incredible
1: price wow. hundred pills you know, for just ninety nine bucks
0: and here. shipping is included in that price. OK, I got that handled ah, straight out of Vegas, by the way, six <laughs> Eastern weekdays.
2: Let's you know we're recording early today. Yeah. Well, hey, we're on it,
0: baby. And you guys, again, uh, carrying the heavy load here. okay Um This kept me off of Colorado State, what you're saying, because it it strikes me that otherwise I'd be thinking, well, why? Michigan's the big name. They're the big, you know, Howard's getting attention. It does feel like there's a little inflation in this. God, I wish
1: this game was like the last game, right? Because this is one the public could bet Michigan on. But because it's the first game, you're not going to get all that Uh, public money. People aren't even in Vegas yet. They're just Going to be arriving, but don't
0: they have the foolish? Pu- Maybe we don't have the public money now, but it seems like that twenty minutes before the first game, they're probably Ooh, people are betting out of their pocket, the, right? The
1: very first one, putting it in all their parlays. That's a good point. Maybe we get a three, right? Yeah,
0: I think if you do want the dog, I think you wait to the very end. I agree with that, but I'm that. not sure I even want the dog because I mean, what you got? What AJ's saying is, it's, it seems like a dream matchup. Uh, for Michigan,
2: in well, way. Colorado State, 340th in offensive rebounding. Michigan, 35th in defensive rebounding. So there's going to be a lot of extra possessions. Uh, and it, it's, like you said, it just doesn't feel like a... from, And it could work the other way. It could be that the small lineup forces Michigan to do something with Hunter Dickinson, take him off the floor. But even if Michigan plays a smaller lineup, they're going to be much, much yeah. bigger. Yeah, and
0: plus you're telling me that, the, you know, so I think w- what we're saying here is lean – Michigan, a uh, minimum for the bracket picking. Now, how are you going to do this regards to, are you picking a side uh, force pick, no line? Or are you giving a, how are you doing?
2: It? I, I'm, I'm going to give leans. I'm going to give likes uh, and, and I've got a best bet. Okay.
1: Regarding the bracketology, there's three teams to be aware of where the lesser seat is favored. Okay. Michigan's an 11. They're mm-hmm. laying two and a half. Memphis is a nine. They're laying two against Boise and one other game. Loyola Ohio State is a seven ten. Loyola is the ten. That game's a pick 'em. So all things being equal, if you feel like everyone else is going to pick just based upon the the seed numbers,
0: well, it's not everyone else, but if even a material pour, uh, percentage, right? You want to look towards eleven Michigan, nine Memphis, and ten Loyola. Now, obviously, if you have a strong opinion, you go otherwise. But if you don't, that's a great tiebreaker. Vegas is on your side in a way. You're partnering with Vegas. Why not? Why not? They're cockroaches, but I I want to make money off them if I can. Okay, uh, I'm going to give a few uh, things I like. At least potentially, not right now, but potentially some regional bets.
2: All right, next game on the board, rotation number seven four one seven four two. 742 Is this
0: Fazic Nazi ways of rotation yes. numbers? Okay.
2: Uh, we've got Providence minus two against South Dakota State. We're looking at a 149 and a half for the game in Buffalo, New York.
0: Okay, so this was one of my contributions. Ken Palm has uh, if I'm not mistaken, Providence as the luckiest team in college basketball. They are now what is lucky? Not Marquette, Providence. Now, what is lucky? Lucky means almost like close wins in the NFL, that their record is better than it should be. Now, I'll tell you this. You might say, how much of that matters? And McKenzie, do me a favor. Check this exact number. But there's a crazy number where there's only one team amongst the last, I think, 60. You know, if you stack rank the lucky teams in Ken Palm, only one of the last X, and it's a big number, made the tournament. Mm. and that team, give me $10, no, is Colgate. Mm. Colgate, and then if you look at the top of it, like a, a big chunk of the top 25 lucky teams made the tournament. So it feels correlated, and to me, it makes me, I can't play Providence here because of that. And by the way, Providence, not only the luckiest team this year, the luckiest team in college basketball since 2006.
1: And I could make the case they're even luckier Then the numbers indicate, in terms of their, um, they won all these close games. A lot of those games were overtime. RJ, so you could say, how much did they win by? By three in overtime? No, they won by zero in overtime. Is
0: probably the best way Mm. to look at it. Mm. Well, you got to value what happened in those extra five minutes. But I hear you. They got five extra minutes to do that. Yeah. So So here's where
1: I'm torn. So I got the super lucky team that's overrated, but it's so publicized. It's gotten so so public. Everyone knows about it. I got a four versus a 13. I've never seen a four only lay in two points ever in the NCAA tournament. All
0: right. By the way, only the only team of the final 41 unluckiest teams to make it was
2: Colgate. Yeah, and 2008 was the last time there was a team this lucky. It was uh, 2008 Wagner.
0: Okay. Wagner College? Yeah. You know – that's interesting. Remember, we were talking about all the connections from Texas Tech. Is the New Jersey high school coach, coach coached at Wagner for a few years? Oh, really? P.J. Carlisimo actually coached at Wagner. Did you know that? I did not know that. Uh huh. Th- uh-huh.
2: Learned something new. All right. What do you think of this game? Uh, I wanted to fade Providence in the tournament, and I I actually kind of wanted to back South Dakota State in the game, but I just didn't like this matchup. South Dakota South Dakota State is going to be a very popular. Bracket pick.
0: Best shooting team in the country, right? Best
2: shooting team in the country. From from long range. Uh, Yes. Uh, But, I mean, they're great on offense, but they are are awful, awful, awful defensively. Second worst defensive team in the tournament. They play in a conference where they are the best defensive team, which means their conference just doesn't prioritize defense. Uh, And they they don't do anything on the offensive glass. They're 299th in rebounding. So and, and Providence can score and and where I where I was looking at this matchup and I said, okay well what's how South Dakota State gonna hang against you know a, a team that's actually good and not just a team that they're going out there and, and blowing up And I have com- some concerns that when you put them on the floor against great I shouldn't call Co- Providence yeah, yeah. great talent, but against high major talent. Yeah that there could be some issues. They played Alabama early this year, lost 104-88. to 88. They played Washington, lost 87-76. Uh, so these are the games that make me go, Ugh. when a team's actually got high major talent, South Dakota State's tends to shrivel up.
0: So it's not, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not so much that the talent is the problem, it's the type of athlete you're going to get. It's yes. like in a weird way, if you take a Belmont uh, or a... um. It's Belmont. The team is got Kentucky next if they win,
2: right? Playing Dave. No, Murray State.
0: I'm thinking. All right, yeah, Murray. Belmont was this type of team in prior yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Murray State. They're going to maybe compete with another, like, sharp shooting team that is, like, maybe 20, like uh, San Francisco is, like, in the low 20s. Yep. Tempo. But playing them isn't like playing even a team worse than them that's a, that's a really big, you know, Big Ten team, let's right. say. Right? So you're saying it's not so much how good they are, but it's the type of athlete, the type of style.
2: And we'll talk about a matchup later. Who, who Kentucky plays St. Peter's. St. Peter's a, a very good defensive team for their level. Mm-hmm. But when they play against... Kentucky, whose grown men, being gritty and scrappy is just not enough. You get tossed around by these big athletes. So
0: this is a case of overreaction. And I think we've seen this a bunch now. Everyone's hearing. the, The echo chamber is as strong as ever regarding, hey, this is a bracket buster. Hey, this team can shoot. And especially if you can hang your hat on, well, one team is the luckiest team since 2008, and the other team is the best shooting team in the country. Who are you taking? Sure. So it feels like this is a rare public dog, but the tournaments got the circumstances that allow for these kind of public dogs.
2: There were a lot of people who were they went into the tournament before the draw was announced, saying, "I'm betting against Providence in the first round because they've been so lucky all year." But and, and you and at some point you have to say, that, like you you have to stop saying they're going to regress, they're going to regress, they're going to yeah, regress. I don't think we've reached that level yet. No, but I mean, but this is a team.
0: I think you're bringing up a good point. There might be a clutch factor. Exactly. Is there something to this other than luck? You've got to account for the fact that there's a chance there is.
2: And I think you have to account for they've played 12 teams. They've had 12 games against tournament teams this year. They're eight and four in those games.
0: Because they get lucky. They've
2: got a win over Texas Tech. A win over Wisconsin, a win over UConn, a win over Seton Hall. So what's it, South Dakota State's 0-1 against tournament teams. That Alabama yeah, right, blowout and loss. And there's
1: things to like about like the intangibles. The game's in Buffalo. It's a lot closer to Providence. about a six-hour drive versus you know, South Dakota State. And the fact that Providence got absolutely destroyed in the semis of their conference tournament off that embarrassing loss. I think that's good for a team to not have a long run in their conference turning and get banged up doing that.
0: Unless the team is like a Virginia Tech that ne- not only needed mm. to get in, but also needed the confidence.
1: Yes. Virginia Tech, you're, we, we raised their power ratings significantly based on that run.
0: And if you didn't need that, the worst thing to do, I think, is, is getting to the finals and losing like Duke did because you yes. get the fatigue factor. But maybe it isn't because at least them losing in front of people kind of maybe – devalues them a little Mm. bit but but i don't if a team's locked in in i i don't like if they lose in the first round of the conference tournament but i don't mind if the second round feels like the the sweet spot yeah 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 that's what i would say how do you approach that aj with the conference tournaments in general
2: i think you either want to lose early or win the whole thing Mm -hmm. i I mean i i think i i don't mind
0: you don't mind losing in the first round i I think it's a statement it feels like
2: Losing in the first round, typically... Now, if you're talking about a, a, a bracket where there's eight teams and the the best team has to play the worst team in the first round, but mm-hmm. usually these teams the sit in a bye. Yeah. So, like, it might be a t- another team's third game and your first game. If you lose that, okay, it's not the end of the world to me. Okay. Like Uh, Auburn losing to Texas A&M. Not the end of the world to me.
0: So, forced pick on this one, Steve. Just instinctually, has the line moved too much? Providence, Uh,
2: yes. What's Ken Palm say on this one? Uh, They say Providence minus two.
0: Hmm. And they have a neutral, though.
2: They have it a neutral. And it's not
0: neutral. Uh, Well, hold on a second. Now, I will say this for the record. Over the years, I've come around on probably – Hmm. Let's say I used to agree with about 50% of Steve's theories of, like, motivation and, you know, the wind's blowing kind of thing. I probably have moved up of the 50 I've disagreed with historically, a third of those I probably agree with now. I've come to even respect his opinion on this stuff more. Some of it seems wacky, but, hey, that's where the value is, being wacky. This one seems crazy. Providence, and it's a six-hour drive, to where exactly? Buffalo. Buffalo, New York. Do they even have, a, do it they have an It says seven airport? here. Do they have an airport there?
2: I think they have an airport in Buffalo. I think but you got to go
0: in the plane.
1: I think right? you got to go on the canal.
0: Yeah, I don't, you know, <laughs> the, the famous line, we, I think we talked about this, and uh, there's a coach that used to coach in my high school I grew up. He coached and won a state title in West Virginia, and he always would say, oh, uh, so-and-so, or, or let's say um, St. Petersburg, can't get there from here. All I right, I'm, willing to rec- I'm
1: going to I'm to recant. It's 7 hours. And okay. I, I think when you look and at an it, early game also.
2: Well, and also the like uh, Providence doesn't have a massive fan base. Like yeah. it, if you're talking about Michigan and Indianapolis or Kentucky and Indianapolis, yeah. it's like, ooh, All okay, right, there's going to be a lot of them. It. Right.
0: I'll withdraw. It. I think half the kids parents won't be there. They probably won't. 7 <laughs> it, it hours <laughs> say, son. If you win the first round, we'll be Let there. Let us know. <laughs> All right. So it does feel like though there may be an opportunity If these lines run, I think the trick is find out when the move happened. And when I say run, they keep going in the same Mm -hmm. direction, like a golf shot that runs on the dry. My slice. (laughs) That runs and hurts people. (laughs) So if you go to pregame.com, you go into the game center, you'll see on the main overview tab that defaults there, that there's a visual that represents when the line move happened. And you can tell did it happen right away. So in the conference tournaments, when it was in the finals, and those unders were happening, it'd be like a straight arrow down, like a Black Friday type, <laughs> and then it'd flatten out for the rest of, of yes. the time. Is If it, the move happens all at once or in that first chunk of a couple hours, I think you respect the whole move. Like series, the
1: Michigan move, which happened all at once, right? At serious
0: open. people are still batting it at the second and third number. Yeah. If it's a a public game that's that's drifting that way, I think there's going to be a couple value picks right before tip throughout Thursday and Friday that are a fade of the move. Great. Like, by example, uh,
1: teams favored by seven. Then they're seven and a half. Then they're eight. And then right before tip off eight and a half, that would be a public move more often than not. Anything
0: else on this
2: one? Nope. Uh, We do have Griffin Warner with um, some notes on this game.
3: Okay. Let's listen in. South Dakota State getting two points from Providence College. AJ and I have talked a ton on the pod about how Providence uh, really got a lot of wins that they didn't necessarily deserve or got a lot of good fortune so far this season. Um, I think that will unfortunately come to an end. Entering uh, off of a really tough Big East tournament performance with a 30 point loss to Creighton might put them in a little bit better of a mind space or put them in, make them a lot more motivated. Uh, But I don't think that's enough because I think they're drawing a South Dakota State team who's really strong and plays in a certain way that will make them really tough to beat. Essentially, South Dakota State is going to play as slowly as possible, shoot as many threes as possible, and that's going to make it really hard for Providence to keep up because they're not a great offensive team. They don't have a ton of athleticism to really bother South Dakota State. And in a really small, low-possession game, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble covering the spread, first of all, but especially winning the game as I'm taking South Dakota State to win uh, an all my uh brackets that is not my best bet for thursday but that's certainly one that i'm interested in and i'm pretty much highlighting what i expect to play each of these days anyway
2: next game all right let's look at seven four five seven four six that's memphis and boise state this is at the rose quarter in portland oregon and memphis now two and a half point favorites
0: wasn't that occupied or is that free at this
2: point? I think it's free now. It free it's, zone free. now? it's free zone. Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I mean, I don't watch the news every night. Um, we got a pick here. Let's lead with Diamond Dave. He knows his college basketball. I love it when he's here for the NCAA tournament. A best bet for him on Thursday. Let's listen.
3: On Thursday, I bet Boise State plus two and a half over Memphis. I know the lower ranked team slightly is favorite. and took all the early money. But this game is in Oregon, which is a long way for a Memphis team to travel and play on four days rest, as well as practicing game plan. This is also a rematch from an NIT game last year that Memphis won by three. So there's a little more for Boise to be playing a little harder. And add to that the fact that Memphis pretty much led the nation in turnover percentage at almost 23% of their possessions. Can't bet on that. Boise has the length to compete and they have the experience. They start three seniors. They were all with Boise last year. Three more seniors play significant minutes. So we have distance and rest on our side and maybe the better team. This is a Boise team that beat the Aztecs three times. They'll slow down Memphis on a neutral court in advance. Broncos plus two and a half. Okay, we might have a little
0: bloodshed here. Because our in-house, well, Dave's in-house, but our in-Vegas expert, you like the other
2: side. I do like the other side. Uh, I think that Memphis is the kind – they've got the kind of athleticism that you just don't see in the Mountain West Conference. Boise State hasn't seen all year. Jalen Durant is a, a lottery pick, and that's who Boise State's going to have to deal with inside, and it's just problematic for a team that's not uber-athletic by by national standards. Mountain West standard's great. They typically get by Emmanuel acott uh Abu Kijab, these are 6'7", six, 6'8", six, wings that give matchup problems to teams in the Mountain West that don't have size. Memphis has that size. Landers six, 6'7". Lester Crononis is 6'5". Is, is so the physical edges that they have in conference play they don't have right now. And Memphis turned a corner because back in, in January, it looked like they were just dead in the water, weren't even a tournament team. And they have, just, they have really gelled. And a lot of it is some of the guys that, Were were there, aren't there anymore, and it's made it a more cohesive unit. They they are as athletic as anyone, and remember, this was a team that was top ten in the preseason odds. That's how much talent this team had. I I, I'm I'm liking Memphis here, minus two and a half. Steve, you want to start?
0: Yeah, I think Memphis. There's a
1: lot to not like about this team. They've got all this talent in the world, but they don't have a good coach, and so that talent never realizes. In terms of to play as well as their expectations, I agree. Addition by subtraction, they lost a guy from the team that couldn't shoot, that has made them
0: actually a better team. But Boise, but wouldn't the coach have known that?
2: This, well, Amani uh, Bates is a guy's name. He was like the top recruit in the country. Okay, and he's so, just kind of a pain in the ass, and he's he hasn't played with him all year.
0: Was it he was a pain, or was it he he can't shoot? He can't shoot. He can't shoot. He can't shoot. Which makes him. But a he was pain. also a pain. So
1: addition by subtraction. But in a Boise team, you know the people I spoke to, Colorado State's a six and Boise's an eight, and they're like Boise's as good as Colorado State if not better. So you know they really should have been seated Boise better. And I love the game in Portland. Um, this is a case where, how many people from Boise are going to travel to Portland? I don't know. But I can tell you this: every single person who lives in Portland that's neutral is not going to be neutral. They are going to root for Cinderella, Boise, and the West, the Western team. There's going to be a big mm. hidden home edge in this game.
0: Okay, a big one.
1: I think big, yes. Big like what? One, one. Uh, all right, maybe. But that's not big, is it? One's a one. If you get an extra point on every game, write down the rest of your, to, to are you to all the listeners. You're instructing there, me. All the, no, the listeners. The rest of your life, write down every bet you ever made, add an extra point to what you would have gotten. You'll be shocked at how much money you would have Or we can just go won. back in
0: the database and say yeah. <laughs> every game and how many fall within a point. Yes. It's going to be a certain – so what? A point's going to be uh, – what's it going to be, about 2%? 4%. Each half's worth 2 4%. Oh, wait, wait. So you're saying the line's 6 and it should only be 5. You're hitting – uh, you're
2: hitting
1: fifty-four percent on one point. Yes. No. No. Dude, no assume the line's seven and a half everywhere, and you're laying six and a half. It's going to land on seven four percent of the time. Mm.
2: I think. Yes, the, sir. I think the reason why a lot of people say Boise's as good or better than Memphis is because they, they, you just look at the records and you say, oh. Well, what's Ken Palm saying? Uh, Ken Palm says Memphis or no Boise minus one uh
0: Boise minus one but they're getting two and a half
2: and the venue is better for them
0: so i mean what's the case i mean the only case we can get from memphis from what i'm hearing is they fundamentally changed as a team so we're gonna say from here on from december 27th or whatever's the convenient time will be when it really started counting
2: well they were nine and eight exactly and now they're 21 and 10.
0: Okay, so they that's, have gotten better. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the question, yeah. right? Because I mean, I remember just even as a very distant, casual college basketball fan, Penny Hardaway was getting grilled in a post game. He's gonna right? get fired. Yeah. Yeah. So now, is there anything else? And remember, Boise. You don't own Boise. You don't own Memphis, as you know. So we want to be objective. Is there anything after that start that could explain away the good playing, or are we simply saying this is the team, and this team would be a, I mean, at that, what would they have been a third seed if they had played like that? If the they whole play season?
2: like that all year. Yeah. So
0: what are they?
2: I think what they've done, and he mentioned Penny Hardaway being a not good coach and he's not. He's not a good coach. But Larry Brown is on his staff and I think he's let Larry Brown kinda of take they over. Say
0: Larry Brown like takes naps and stuff.
2: He Don't probably know. does, <laughs> but he probably draws up a lot better offense when he's awake than Penny Hardaway does. I, I mean... <laughs>
0: i mean like some people were saying i think it was lombardi was saying i was trying to find him on the sidelines and he was he, was, he had drool i mean listen the guy's a great coach right and he's an older what is he in his
2: 80s something like i don't know if he's in the 80s but he's at least in his 70s he's an older dude
0: <laughs> i don't think he's like balachek's age uh, 81. Think, 81. 81. 81. Oh, right. oh, right. i'm not sure about that all right i don't know okay so I think the NCAA tour here's the thing the NCAA tournament is unlike anything else let's agree to that in college basketball right sure so has Memphis made the tournament with Penny Hardaway before yes how have they done Uh, Let's take a gander at that because my thinking is I'm predicting not good. Now, we know they haven't done great because we remember probably, right? But I I think that the discipline, the precision, the kind of thing that you wouldn't expect. uh, uh, You know, Penny Hardaway. Oh,
2: I'm wrong. They made the NIT. So they haven't made it. They've not made it.
0: So my thought is first time Larry Brown's not helping. (laughs) I mean, it's like. It feels like this is going to be a cluster after All the pressure on Memphis. You know what? Boise can lose this game.
1: Yeah, it was a great season. If Memphis loses, oof.
2: But they did win the NIT last year. So, I mean, it, like, there's yeah, something to going all through
0: home, a, Those are all home games until the final no, four.
2: No, four neutral games last year.
0: Oh, well, didn't they bubble it? Yeah yeah so that feels like a different scenario mm. i mean i'm not even saying it's more or less i mean it feels less complex because but i don't know i mean and maybe i mean listen the fact they won it means something and memphis just got smashed in the conference tournament final right
2: they did yeah
0: but still they they finished with three losses and whatever it was in the last what 15 eight yeah 12,
2: 12 and 2 in the last 14. yeah
0: including that one so mm. Here's the one stat that I think is a sign of Memphis's lack of precision, lack of being, the use Collins' phrase, buttoned up. To me, I like Boise here. I think it's a situation where you think these teams that are motivationally questionable throughout the year, where they're, they're highs and lows, not buttoned up. You think the NCAA tournament's when they get serious, right? This is when you know they're focused. I think it's teams like that get distracted, by the bright lights, they get distracted by who knows what. Um, I'm will, you know. So you're making this, a, you're making this a uh, an actual like, though.
2: I, I, I mean, I will because everybody. No, we it, played the crossfire music and everything. I said I was the is ol- it But is it a like or isn't it? It's no. I, I, I mean. Right, so boy, what, a, what a wussy. Yeah, yeah. I know. Now I just said, I don't. It just
0: means he's smart. Why I think he, he bu- said Diamond he liked Dave? He'll Memphis. buck me and you to. Listen, here's what I know. In college basketball, he'll buck, buck me and you. Buck, buck. Buck me and you. Buck, till buck we're, number one. To we blue. He doesn't want to go against Diamond Dave. No. So I'm going to make you an offer. How about me and Fez together gets to the three. So it's a, hundred, a buck and a half each. That way it's a half unit kind of bet.
2: I'll do it. All right. What do we get? Three and a half there? Two and a half. Hmm.
0: What's the current best number, Mackenzie? Two and a half. Thank you. That means we're getting the best number.
1: <laughs> I like that you asked for the best number, not the consent. I know he number. said the current <laughs> best Dirty, number. What the hell does that mean? Player.
2: What's the current best number mean?
0: <laughs> you know, I was thinking about getting you a new theme song, Fads. I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce it right after this last topic I wanna discuss. Do we consider On certain underdogs, pretty much default playing to the first half only, if not minimum, half the bat, and I think maybe only, and here's why. One, a lot of these six, seven, eight-point dogs, which are, you know, you don't see much more than that, right, is they are in that zone where it can be a three-point game with 50 seconds left and they lose by eight, And to me, why not just eliminate that, make it a pure handicap? Number two, the team that's focused and excited, those bigger underdogs, they tend to come out. You see it at the bottom of the ticker, right? 22 to 17, they're up a lot. And then what happens? The march to death, typically.
1: They're not as deep. They get tired at the end. They don't give up. They keep hacking.
0: Part of it is that emotional. It's almost like in an MMA In UFC fighting, they say the thing you got to learn, and tell me if we're correct here, AJ, is not to throw all your energy out right away like in a street fight, right? Yeah. Well— you have to learn to pace it. And, and these teams aren't ever going to have a couple chances, rarely to have a couple of games to figure that out. But why not take advantage, if not just the race to 15 kind of thing? Or Those bets are typically what, first to 15? Yep. And They, they used to be 20, but the action junkies wanted to be less. They want to get that better. <laughs> so they put a money line then on the? Yeah, money line. Okay, so like what would it be? Like a 12-point dog, first to 15 would be getting what on the paper? Plus 250. And, okay, so I guess my first question for the first half is, is the mechanics of what the game line is in the first half, is it the same as the regular season in the NCAA tournament? Yes. So if there is a factor that makes it more advantageous, that's all gravy for us. Exactly right,
1: because the pricing algorithm is just going to say, hey, it's an eight-point favorite all year long. We make the first half four and a half. We'll make it four and a half for the tournament.
2: I, I think something important to remember, though, for this, like, for these batch of games that we're talking today, the Thursday games, there's only two games that fall like on the the uh, outside the extremes. They're either all three or under or ten plus. So there's yeah, remember, only two I, games I, that fall so in let's, that.
0: Let's define what the re- to me. I think the teams we do this with would be uh, from six, and then I would say up to. I mean, I'm not sure if there's. I mean, what, what teams wouldn't we do this for underdogs that are bigger that are bigger? Let's say six or more. Eight. Oh,
1: 18 point underdogs and more because I want the final four minutes then. Because when the Kentuckys of the world are up 20. Well, the fi-
0: but the fouls are the fouls are, are not a factor then because you're not going to, if you're down by six late, you're going to cover that big number. Right. But Coach
1: but, K will say, run clock and he'll run the shot uh, clock down, take a bad shot. I'll take, I'll take Kentucky. Yeah, but that's opponent. Coach
2: K. Not everybody does that. I know. Yeah. But, I'll,
1: but I'll take Duke's <laughs> opponent to, to pick him in the final two minutes by example. But,
0: okay, but let's but dukes maybe, but that that doesn't sound it sounds like an atypical example is what it de- it it depends on the team exactly, okay. and I will say this and tell me a j if you agree that the team that is if it's the first game of the weekend, so Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday. Is I am more inclined to take the bigger underdog because I think the favorite has to turn it around in 48 hours or less, oftentimes, and thus they might go deeper in their bench once they're up 15 if they're getting 20.
1: That teams. I agree. And with
2: teams it. like Duke, so Kentucky, you agree with that? yes, okay.
0: survive in advance.
2: And those There's teams, no
1: incentive to to to, to build run margin.
2: What they want to do is if they're up by 20, they want to let their walk-ons get minutes in the NCAA tournament, which they otherwise wouldn't. They're not going to get in the next couple weeks, so they let those guys in the game for the last two, three minutes and and play a little. Bit.
0: But except for that, I think the factor of the team just beating him down is probably worth Because in theory... It- why not play even if there's only a couple small edges isn't the first half better now the other side of it is well you don't have as much time to exert the truth of your handicap and
1: that's a strong point you'd much rather have I'm not sure I do you'd much rather have 40 minutes if your handicap is super super strong but if your edge is not as strong now all of a sudden boy do you really want to take the Colgates and the New Mexico States plus the seven and a half and now they're down six with a minute to play how do you feel about your bet when the other team has the ball
2: you mentioned Colgate and last year, Colgate, Arkansas. I actually had mm. Colgate plus points and it half.
0: Wait, 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 let's be clear. It was you and Esler going head to head on that one, right? Yeah. And I, and I had Arkansas and I think he was with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah
2: and at, at halftime of that game, boy, did I look really smart. Uh, Colgate was it looked like they were on their way to a a nice victory. I think
0: they were up like 12 or
1: 13. And, how much did they lose by?
2: Uh they lost by 17 points. Yeah, they which...
1: got they got flossed in the second half.
2: Yep. So okay, it, and flossed. it was a it was a, <laughs> a it was a three-point game at halftime and ended up being a blowout. Now so did,
0: uh, What was the th- uh, what tell us take us to what that how the, the evolution of that joke? <laughs> was it just in the moment? In the moment. That's pretty clever. <laughs> I've never heard you be that clever before. It's suspect. You're rubbing you, off on me. Have, do you have a right? I mean, it was weird. You had a different earpiece today. Do you have a? <laughs> is it like a Cyrano de Bergerac? I've been
1: listening to RJ Bell podcast. on <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. And the, and the SOV show.
0: That's pretty good. That's not quite snap crackle and pop.
1: But yeah. <laughs> that one
0: took me like I still don't fully
2: understand.
0: <laughs> All right. So AJ, what do you think of the whole first half idea?
2: I don't think it's. I I, I were I don't play first halves very often. Because I'm like, like Fez was saying, I like to have my handicap play out over the full 40 minutes, but I, I do understand your reasoning for it. It makes sense. The the
1: first half correlated parlays, I shouldn't even say that people are going to get mad at me for saying this. I'm, I apologize, guys. I'm giving it
0: out. Uh, hold, here, hold on a second. There's nothing that you don't give out unless it's something that is so niche that you couldn't give it out and not ruin the market.
1: Exactly. And this won't is, ruin the market. Then
0: why are you apologizing? I'm
1: not going to apologize. Go ahead. The first half dog, like the eight-point dog, playing the plus four probably to the under first half is really good because you're kind of counting on them being able to muck up the game and it being a rock fight.
0: But I, not if we're thinking that it's a big burst of energy at the beginning. Well,
1: big yeah. burst of defensive energy also. Uh, but very, very contrast that people want to play the game with the under, like a plus eight to the under, that's no good because if you're covering and you're down four, five, six, you're gonna have 90 seconds of death at the end of the game with all the fouling.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing about these that gives so much randomness to these games that are lying between five and eight and a half is that in the spot you wanna be in the most, like in the NFL, If you're getting uh, nine...
1: God, this is a great
0: example. And you're down seven. You're home free. It's going to take an act. Both teams are... It's almost like they're working... Both teams are working for your bet.
1: Unless touchdown Lenny goes 40 on you to to, to, to crack your bet, you're going to be in good shape. And here the opposite is true. Where the team that's down seven is going to... They're going to do everything possible to cost you your
0: bet. And the NCAAs, they foul even more because they don't want to look like they gave up. They'll foul
2: down double digits.
0: So... I like this. Now we, you know, what we'll do for tomorrow's pod is I'm going to do a little study. Just look. So in general, if I said uh, uh, with the line in the ranges we're talking about, what is the first half compared to? The, is it exactly half? Is it what? What percentage it, it, of the game? It, it, it's it's
1: it, minus six or less. Divide by two. Okay. Then when you go above minus six, and then you got to divide by two and add a half. As add a half rule to the first um, half.
0: Yes. So that means from you're, six
1: to about eleven.
0: So if it's twelve, it'd be six and a half. Yes. Okay, so that means that we're getting even. All right, so what we can do is use that and just look at the splits of these games. I'll, it's my homework. Uh, well, I mean, I think we can do it. Uh, we'll talk after the best way, but my, I mean, we'll see. I guess we don't even have to speculate. Tune right. in tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to make this one short, and I'm going to do it longer tomorrow. This is our best offer of the calendar year, pregame.com. And what is it? Well, one of the first things I did way back, even pre-pre-game, was I took the history of the March Madness bracket, which actually, if you look at these current brackets as a 64-team bracket, once the play-ins are done, this is the same bracket there's been since 1985 when Villanova upset Georgetown. First year, there were 64 teams. So, you know, we got 30 plus years. Let's think 85 to 95 is 10, right? To 2005 is 20. 2015 is 30. So we're talking 35 plus years. And I love when there's that much data. We all know what 116 over a 1. But how often, when a 12 wins, do they win the second game? How often does a team of a certain higher seed or lower seed, a double-digit low seed, how often do they make this round and the next round? And what you find out is mathematically there's some strong stuff. Like only three of 214 was this. And that is where my bracket really took off. And a lot of people loved it. But then what I've done is every year I've tried to add new things like AJ, our, you know, one of our you know, main experts on college basketball, the guy who's in the office every day who is a CBB expert, his opinion matters a ton to me. Esler's matters. Others matter. Now, so we add the pregame guys in. We add that I do 97.5% of my college basketball handicapping in the couple of days from the bracket being out till – that first weekend. And I am, you know, one of my strongest suits, quite frankly, is finding the good info that's out there and aggregating it into and creating a composite, I guess you'd say, an amalgamation, <laughs> I'd say, of all that info. And I found a couple of sites, we were just reviewing them with AJ and McKenzie right before the show, a couple of sites that, are really shockingly interesting with data that no one talks about. So when you add that all up and there is that proprietary bracket history sauce, I think our bracket has as much chance to do well as any. There's luck, there's some luck, but I'm not sure that there's anyone I'd be scared of heads up. And I'm not soliciting bets across state lines, but I'm just saying... And we are selling this bracket. Now, hold on. Steak knives are coming up. We are selling this bracket at pregame.com for $64. I don't know if you see a connection there. And we sell a lot of them at 64. But this is one of the handful of times, and we started this last year, that I want to really thank you and all of the yous out there. And here's what I'm doing. Four, exclusively, four listeners of the pod. I'm taking the $64 price and making it four. Yep, minus 60. $60 off the 64. Now it's four. Now it's a no-brainer. Now how do you get it for four? It's real simple. Go to pregame.com. Click buy picks. And then I'm going to give you the following coupon. Madness, four. Okay. March Madness, Madness. And then the number four, all one word, no spaces. And the number, though, is a number. So it's M-A-D, Mad, N-E-S-S, then the numeral four. And that means you get the March Madness, my personal March Madness bracket for $4, $60 off. A lot of people are buying it for 64 Now, if you're a listener of the pod and you bought it beforehand, not discounted, what we're going to do is automatic. Well, I guess we can't automatically do it. We do that sometimes for people who are historical buyers. Um, you know, we'll say, oh, someone didn't get a discount, but we know they bought it. So we'll do it ourselves. You, all you got to do, though is email us, support at pregame.com, and we will give you a refund of the difference if you had the coupon. So this isn't, oh, so one thing at pregame that we never do is we never, ever, ever, never penalize someone that acts quicker. What we want to always do is encourage that because the lines, no, this is the case, there's no lines, but in general, if you ever do something early, and somehow he, he, later it would have been better to do. Now, listen, once games have passed or whatever, prices go down. But if everything is fundamentally the same, but you buy an early penalized you, you get that offer, whatever it was, that's yours. So this is an example of that, is if you bought early, thank you for the support. Email support at pregame.com, S-U-P-P-O-R-T at pregame.com, and just tell them your username. And you'll get that refunded in credit. So I guess I can't go much longer. I said I'm going to go short. Tomorrow I'll explain some of the other nuances of how I do my bracket. Also that I'm going to put in a few if-thens, right? Because one of the big things in brackets is how many people you're competing against. right? I'm going to do officially the low-volume competition, which is going to have less of the -the over-the-top type upsets. But then I'll have three or four or five picks saying as you start ramping up the number of people, let's say there's 200 in your contest, add these two picks. And then if you have a lot of them, maybe add these five picks, which are going to be swap outs for an upset that I don't think statistically is right in a smaller competition bracket pool, but it would be in a bigger. So in a way you get to get, you can actually use my bracket for, if you want to enter in CBS sports line or something, well, you're going to max out the craziness. If you're going heads up, like the irony is going heads up. You should probably bet the v- Vegas favor, pick them in every first round, everyone. And then Ken palms projection in everyone after that first round and the only people that can be, the only heads up person that could beat you is someone that went with an underdog to win, which is always less than 50 50 unless the line's wrong. So, like, in a weird way, this is always gonna be, what is that called, Mackenzie, when, um, when you move the bar across and you ramp up like the volume? But there's other ways, it's not a toggle. Well, it's, it, once I hear – but anyway, it's like that where you get to ramp up how much – how many upsets you want effectively. Mine's going to be like optimized for like a 30, 40-person pool, and which is a small nice small office pool. And then if you're going to have a lot more, you're going to have literally a Chinese menu of other picks to make. This thing is – I mean, listen, when we sold – here's what I'll just say as objectively true – Last year, I gave the same offer. Year before, there wasn't one. The year before that, because, you know, pandemic. Year before that, so the last year before the pandemic year that was canceled, the biggest sales ever in the history of pregame for one product was my package. It was, I think it was 64. It was in that range. So we literally are taking our, you know, biggest seller in a given year. Fez might have competed with your support in the March or in his uh, Super Bowl props, which were again winning. But this is really a meaningful thank you to you guys. And I think the bracket's better now than it's ever been, but I do appreciate it. So it's there if you want it. If you don't, don't worry about it. By the way, if you don't have an account by just signing up for an account, which is free at pregame, you get 25 bucks to spend any way you want right? So that's, you know, there you go there. Now you could spend the four, you know, you could use that coupon, but it's a one-time use for 25. So if you spend it, well, I guess on this one, now I think about it, you already got the coupon, that takes 60 off. So you're going to want to do that. And again, that's madness four, but you will have 25 to spend wherever you want. And it can be like a package It's only 25, so if McKenzie has up his NBA game, you want that? It's 25? You get that pick without paying McKenzie a penny. Haha. <laughs> what do you think of that, McKenzie? Well, we're going to win, so you can pay me with your winnings on the next pick. Well, they might just get that and never come back. In that case, you know, congratulations. Yeah, you don't like it. Admit it. <laughs> but you know what? We don't mind that you can take advantage of us because all we want is a chance to show you that at pregame, the picks can really add to your fun and add to your net results that i'm certain of can you win just with the picks Uh, you got to be extra disciplined and i think you can but a lot of people most people aren't but you know what if it takes someone that improves their bottom line that's all we can do and i feel very strong i built a career on that so thank you and back to more free picks imagine that Final Thursday game though.
2: Yep, 723, 724. It's Baylor against Norfolk State in Fort Worth. Baylor minus 21, total 137 and a half.
0: So correct me if I'm wrong. They had not as many people coming back as a national champ May. You know, yep. they they
2: lost two guys.
0: But they lost a key. Uh now my understanding is there's one guy they lost for, in the season for what February, may early February. Chachwa. But then there's another guy that's been hurt. LJ Cryer. What's his
2: status? I, they haven't announced it. My guess is he's not coming back to play this season.
0: All right. So what's your take on the game?
2: Uh, th- Listen, Baylor's very complete. They're very strong. They're not as good as they were last year, and now they're running out of depth. No Chachua, no LJ Cryer, and it, that, that leaves them not only without that depth, but without their best rebounder and their best shooter. This is not a one seed to me. This is not a, a, a slam dunk one seed here. It it's not gonna cost them a game, but Norfolk is one of the most experienced teams in the country. They won a tournament game last year, they won a play-in game last year, and they've got two senior guards. One of them's a the Miak player of the year, Joe Bryant. This is not this is a, a good, strong backcourt. They're not going I don't think they're gonna get blown out. And they run a shifting zone, they press a lot, which is something that Baylor just doesn't see in the Big 12. Nobody in the Big Twelve runs like that. The downside is they got beat by 43 last year after their play-in game. That was against Gonzaga. So
0: we keep saying they, go ahead.
2: Norfolk got beat by 43. They won their play-in game, then they had to play Gonzaga. They got smashed. Uh, But that's a brutal matchup. That's a team that's much more likely to run away than Baylor is. I think with the depth issues that they have, there's no reason for them to run this up. I think Baylor's going to try to conserve what they can. Norfolk plus 21 seems like maybe there's some value there.
1: Correlated parlay, I like the plus 21 and a half to the under because I could easily see Baylor not playing with pace in this game. Now,
0: is it is it the case you like a correlated parlay pretty much any there's a big favor? Well,
1: no, because if it's a 15-point favorite, if the dog covers, they're going to lose by 11, and then I'm going to get, get the, the ugly foul fest the final 90 seconds. So you're
0: saying as it gets higher, that corridor of fouling is, is only if your pick is extra good and it's like 10 points to the batter, then you might get some fouls. Yes. Okay. All right. Um Rapid fire here, guys. Uh, I think Georgia State looks interesting here against the Zags. Um, what do you guys uh, – I mean, I, I know that you're going to talk about it. What do
2: you think? Georgia State's wildly under They won the Sun Belt, which is a middle conference, 16th out of 32 by Ken Palm. Plus,
0: they started the year like at 500, right? And yeah, then they... they
2: had a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID. They've gotten healthy. They were projected to be the best team in the Sun Belt. By the end of it, they were, but there was a big chunk where they weren't. So So I think there's value on them.
0: They should be like
2: potentially. They should be a 14. Yeah. So does that make us play it? Probably. It's scary to play against Gonzaga, but yes. I
0: like playing against the best team. (laughs) Um, Arkansas, Vermont, a lot of people love in Vermont. This feels like one of those games where it's moved too much or it's going to move too much. Early thoughts on that.
1: Vermont's so fundamentally sound across the board. The only concern is they only played two real teams all year long. They lost by 10 at Maryland. They lost by 10 at um, Providence. So they haven't been blown out all year, but they face
0: no elite competition.
2: Problem with Arkansas, they can't shoot. They don't shoot threes well, and Vermont defends the two very well.
0: Huh, that's interesting. So maybe the under there. And um, tomorrow is the uh, San, Diego, uh, San Diego game with uh, that game that has a total of 120.
2: Nope, that's a Thursday game as well. Oh, yeah. San Diego love State. That is my I,
1: best bet under.
0: That was going to be my best bet.
2: Look at you guys. I love
0: that under because here's the thing, and I'll tell, tell to you quick. You know what we'll do? I'm going to tell this to you on the Friday pod. All right. So when I say Friday pod, I mean the Friday game pod, which is going to be released on Wednesday, about the same time this one was released. So let's wait for that because we're running late here.
2: All right. Let's get to rotation number seven, two, nine, seven, three, zero. That is the Tennessee Volunteers taking on. The Lancers of Longwood, Steve, and we're looking at about a 17-point spread right now. Tennessee favored. The total is at 132.
1: So Tennessee undervalued as a three-seed. You know, the tournament committee, I don't even think they look at Saturday and Sunday games.
2: I know for a fact they didn't this year. Yeah,
1: because obviously Duke underperforms on the weekend. Tennessee overperforms. Those teams are both about equal.
2: Did Duke underperform? They made it to the conference final. Yes, they were pick'em to win the conference. Okay, I mean... So
1: if you're pick'em to win the conference tournament and you don't win, you underperform.
2: Now, does the committee look at point spreads? Because that seems unlikely. No, I'm sure that they don't. So the fact that Duke made it to the conference final, I would say they didn't underperform in the committee's eyes. But Tennessee won the SEC tournament. Duke was and
1: minus one thirty to win the tournament.
2: You know they were the favorite. I know, but you think the comi- You think everybody on the committee knew that they were they were minus one thirty? Fair enough. For, for, but for, for, but the, Tennessee was not the favorite to win the SEC. They got to get
1: Condoleezza Rice
2: back on that committee so they know it's. I doing. know, and and they took care of business. I thought Tennessee should have been a two seed. Now the question becomes: Is being the two seed in Gonzaga's region punishment? For underperforming, would you rather be the three seed where Tennessee is, or the two seed in Gonzaga's pod?
1: It's an excellent point. I'd rather be the three seed, and Tennessee is actually um, favored. Um, they're the number two pick to to make the Final Four from their region from,
2: uh, from the South. Yeah, it tied, tied with Villanova, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, I saw
1: I saw that they actually had slightly lower odds. This, okay, was just going on circuit, but comparable, very comparable. So if you're the three seed with the same odds as the two seed, your draw isn't bad. I want to bet on Tennessee. All the boxes are getting checked fine season, um, a little bit undervalued, maybe because you don't have the name, the market name. But then i I come across Rick Barnes in the tournament. That's one, hard to look past one, eleven, and one against the spread. Yeah. Uh, I can't I can't back a team that, for whatever reason, a coach that has failed so miserably, in the big dance, and that leaves me passing
2: this game. Yeah, so Longwood has some big bully guards. They just hulked out dudes. They push around smaller guards, uh, and they will be able to do that. Tennessee, very small guards. And, like, obviously Longwood's big for for a big south team in the backcourt, but, but Tennessee, considering they're an SEC team, very undersized at guard. The difference is on the inside, though. Tennessee has the kind of size that will just overwhelm Longwood. So here's Longwood's most frequent lineup by height. 6'7", 6'4", 6'2", 6'1", 6'. So even if Tennessee plays small and they limit minutes for uh, Plavzic, who's their 7-footer, or Adu and Huntley Hatfield, the two 6'11 freshmen, so let's say they leave them out, you've got a 6'9", Fulkerson, and a 6'6 Josiah Jordan James in the front court, and you're going to dominate the glass in this situation. But like we said, the Rick Barnes thing is scary. Rick Barnes is not a great tournament coach historically. And the bes- guy's been to a final four, so I-, I shouldn't say that. But like you just mentioned, against the spread, it's not been good. And that final four was a long time ago at this point. That's when Siri- that's Carmelo Anthony's championship. So it's been a it's been a good while. And Tennessee's not the kind of team that I'm looking to lay a big number with because the offense, the defense is there. It's going to be there. It's going to dominate. The offense is hit or miss. Uh, it just depends on which day, which day of the week it is. They did, however, play do two big South teams this year. So there are some comps. Hmm. They played against USC Upstate and they played against Presbyterian. They won those games by 44 and 42. Now... Longwood is better than those teams, certainly. But Longwood has not played good competition this year. They played the 344th ranked schedule in the country this year. And Longwood's
1: year. probably only five points better than those
2: teams, right? Something like that. Right. Yep. And they played two games all season against top 150 Kinpom teams. Mm-hmm. Two. They lost to Abilene Christian, who was number 129. They lost to them by 16. They lost to Iowa by 33. So, I'm certainly not playing Longwood because this is going to be a, a sort of an overwhelming talent disparity in this game. But the style of play that Tennessee has, the fact that Tennessee played the entire SEC tournament and didn't, you know didn't is not coming in super well rested uh, or with an extra day, even like Kentucky is, kind of leaves me off of Tennessee. But I, I certainly lean to Tennessee, and I lean to the under. I think that Longwood has a really hard time scoring against this Tennessee defense.
1: Yeah, you know, and with the 17-point spread, and we don't think it's going to be close, all the more reason to lean on under because where do we get concerned? Team down 12. Here comes the hack of everything. And if we think Tennessee's going to cover, then they're going to have a 20-point lead, and we don't have to worry about the silliness of the final 90 seconds.
2: And Longwood, uh, again— for the Big South an elite rebounding team. But when I tell you that that lineup is 676462 in the front court, you, being an elite rebounding team in the Big South means nothing anymore mm. because you're not going to be an elite rebounding team against Tennessee who's also very good uh at least from an offensive rebounding standpoint. They get a lot of their own misses, a lot of second chances. So I think Longwood the the edges that they have, they're one of those teams that it, it it's not their their scheme doesn't play up so that what the advantages they have over their crummy conference don't translate mm. when you put them on the floor with Way better talent, and that's what that's what Tennessee has. They've just got a, a huge, huge talent disparity. By the way, I
1: did I, I do coordinate with various other people, and one of my sharps is on the under. So I did sneak down to the win here in Las Vegas and played the under one thirty three on this game. The last one thirty three in the world.
2: Yep, currently one thirty two is is basically the consensus. So uh, that's get get yourself a sharp friend like Steve, who will help you out getting the better number. So uh, a lean in this game. It, it, like you said, pass, if he, if for play under, okay. Under. So I, I'll, I forced play. I would take Tennessee. I, I'm not going to take Tennessee though. So I'm just going to watch and I, I'll wait for the, uh, the second round where I think that there's some really interesting matchups that, it, you know, it, that, that could be even for, through the rest of that bracket. I, Cause I do think Tennessee is going to be playing for a while. All right, let's get to rotation number seven, three, nine, seven, four, zero. That is Iowa and Richmond. The spread currently, Steve, sitting at about 10 and a half. The total at 151.
1: Okay, so Iowa's obviously been performing at a very high level. I don't trust That's this.
2: That's a nice way of putting it. You could just say they're nuclear right now. They're kicking ass. Yeah.
1: I don't trust this team at all. They, I, On Twitter, I said, this is like the sexy, fun um, person that you date that you're having a great time, but ultimately they're going to let you down. It's just a matter of when. And frankly, the point spread tax has hit here in Iowa. They're laying 10-and-a-half against a Richmond team that's playing very well. Both teams coming off really nice tournament runs, obviously, with ending on Sunday with victories. I'm pretty confident Richmond's the right side here, and let me explain why. So it opens 10, and then money on Richmond, on the dog, it comes down to 9. And then one of the... Um, Bigger names in the sports betting world early in the week releases Iowa. Boom. It goes up to 10 and a half. I am very confident. I've seen this movie before. Ten and a half will be the peak on the spread. It will go no higher. The group that took 10 is going to take 10 and a half because they can get even more points. So you are going to see this, this, that those 10 and disappear. If you like the dog and that's the side I'd lean to, I would take the spiders and grab the 10 and a half right now.
2: Yeah. Iowa is, you mentioned both these teams playing really good ball right now. I don't think you, you, Iowa's a team that I've tried to to not like all year long. The way that they profile is, much like Purdue, a team that is elite offensively. They are the second best offense in the country. Only Gonzaga's better than them, more efficient than them. They are the 77th best defense. So way better than Purdue. Way better than Purdue. But normally that's enough for me to say if you're elite on one thing at one thing and bad at the other, and Iowa being 77th is relatively bad. Obviously, there's I mean when you're talking about 350 ish teams, you, 77 is not bad, but for this caliber of a team, a team that we're talking about as a we're, ta- know,
1: we're talking about it, the top Big Ten champions, team.
2: yeah, yeah, it, it's not good. And this is – but they, lately, I will admit, lately the defense looks better. The fact that they held Purdue, another elite offense, to 66 points in the Big Ten Championship game is pretty eye-opening. Um, they, in their, their late-season run where they, they won nine out of their last ten games, Ohio State, the third-best offense behind Iowa and Purdue in the Big Ten, held them to 62 the fourth best offense is Michigan. Held them to seventy one. So the the offense late in the season improved. The defense. Or, yeah, excuse me. The defense improved late in the season. And if their defense is average, this is a terrifying team. I what I'll say about Richmond. Remember, Richmond was the preseason favorite to win the A ten. Which we thought was a pretty good conference. It turns out if Richmond hadn't won the tournament, the A-10 was a one bid league. It was not very good.
1: Yeah, Dayton losing to UMass Lowell and two other comparable teams didn't help that conference.
2: So anymore. yeah, so if, if Richmond doesn't, it doesn't make the tournament, the A-10's a one bid they're they're basically like the Big South. Like right. which is crazy to think about when you think about the the brand names in the A-10. Um, but I, I think with with them being and it, one of the things that holds back Iowa from a metric standpoint, an analytic standpoint on offense is offensive rebounding. There, they allow a lot of offensive mm. rebounding, which is bad for your defensive numbers. Richmond is not going to offensive rebound; it's not in their game. It's something they don't care about. Three hundred twenty seventh nationally in offensive rebounding. So, if that's the pers- if that's the biggest weakness that Iowa has defensively is allowing second chances. They're not going to do it in this game. That makes me think that they're probably going to have less problems defensively here. But Richmond's very experienced. They're one of the oldest teams in the country. They start four seniors and a junior. Very um, strong performance against Davidson. And the fact that i they
1: probably should have lost the game, should have lost by yeah. a bucket. But the fact that they, if there was a crowd, it was certainly for Davidson in that game, and Richmond still overcame that. I think that was you know, a big fact.
2: And I think experience helps him overcome things like that and, and could help them win some close games. I don't think this is going to be a close game. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it'll be single digits, though. Uh, and we talked about Rick Barnes, his track record in March. McCaffrey, not a great tournament coach either. So...
1: It's like the song, you know. It's a heartache,
2: you know. Love of
1: love them to your 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 brackets ache. Yeah. Then
2: they let you down. So for me, this is going to be an Iowa lean, but I, I it's it's not going to be. I, I can't I can't in good conscience give double digits with this team. All right, let's move on to seven forty three, seven forty four. The number one team in the whole wide world. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, minus 23 and a half against Georgia State.
1: Got nothing on this game other than I will say, if you want to make some money, you can play the money line. You got to bet 100 to win a dollar. It's cheap. If you look historically, um, other than Virginia losing, um, well, the number one seeds are whatever it is, 150 wins and one loss. And you know what? There'll be another loss at some point. It's probably not going to be the number one team in the tournament to to, to be the team that goes down. And also Gonzaga being you know, a higher scoring team makes it less likely there'll be an upset versus a Virginia team that's slow as molasses. So um, a little free money. Um, if you have extra money sitting in an account or a credit account and you can lay less than 100 to 1, I'd do it. I think it's solid.
2: This is a brutal, brutal under-seeding for Georgia State. And I'm not mm. trying to tell you that they're going to beat Gonzaga. I thought Georgia State was going to be a 14 seed. Okay. Uh, they ended up as a 16 seed, which is really gross when you consider Yale being on the 14 line. You talked about how Saturday-Sunday games didn't matter. The committee already had Princeton penciled into that spot. Yale's a 16 seed. Yes. A- and Georgia State – Georgia State, you can if you go back and look at their record, you're going to see a lot of ugly losses. What you'll also note is if you go into each game and you say did not play, did not play, there are a lot of injuries early in the season. Huh. There was a lot of COVID with this team. They got they got killed by that stuff early on, and Georgia State was they were the the team to beat in the Sun Belt, which is literally middle of the like if you look at Ken Palm's conference rankings. The Sun Belt is 16th out of 32. So if you win the conference that's the middle of the pack and you are a 16 seed, you've been underseeded. And fully healthy now, If you, like I said, you take a look at their resume, a lot of it's you could throw out the window because they just didn't have any guys. What's their total on this game? The total is 150. And it, the, here's the thing that they've got. They, they're not – Can we parlay dog and under? I, I, that's what I would like to do. Yeah, this is that. What they do have here is they're a pressure defense that turns you over and forces you into mistakes. Something that Gonzaga did not see a lot of in the West Coast Conference. So you don't see a lot of press, and when you did see Gonzaga get pressed, some they turn the ball over a little bit. It ha- it happens. Um, and the other thing that they have are big men and not super skilled big men. But they have size that they can throw down there and not let you just score at will inside. And if you, we've seen, we saw it with BYU twice this year. If you've got no size whatsoever, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren will just get down under the basket. They'll post up your six foot six big love man, that, Drew Timmy, and they'll lay it in. It's a, they'll do it over and over and over. This feels like a a, a really juicy number hmm. on Georgia State here. It's terrifying to bet against Gonzaga, against bad teams. It's terrifying to bet Gonzaga unders. But I do think that this Georgia State team is better than the the little tiny 16 next to their name tells people it is. Sure. And I think RJ would tell you Barney at the bar is going to want to go in and lay it with Gonzaga. And it feels like I I normally I normally don't even look at the one sixteen point mm-hmm. spreads because I just think in most most so of those situations it's up the one the can call it they call That's their right. number and Gonzaga can probably call their number here I just think that Georgia State's better than a sixteen seed and they will they will make this more of a game than people mm-hmm. think so uh, I'll probably end up playing Georgia State uh, plus the points here and I do like to, I I do I think parlaying it with the under and correlating those two things. Maybe the better way to go, because if this is an over game, Gonzaga's probably run away from them anyway. Um, and if Gonzaga covers the 23 and a half, the under not going to it's not going to matter. So I, I think that you're right, that that may be the best way to approach this game. Um, but Georgia State undervalued based on what they dealt with over the course of the season and underseeded. I think they were a team I thought I, I figured, oh, I'll, I said, imagine if Georgia State gets put with Duke. I was like, "Ooh, I'll I'll be looking mm-hmm. to, to to uh to take some points there," and then the, you see them on the sixteen. It's like, this, "This isn't right." So I, I'm not as thrilled about backing Georgia State in the first round as I was because, like I said, I knew their analytics would be skewed because of their early season issues. But this was they were projected to win the Sun Belt preseason. Mm-hmm. They were the most talented team. They brought brought back their entire team from last year. This is a a good experienced team. Obviously, just a basically a, an unclimbable hill that they're facing here in Gonzaga. All right, let's uh, drop down to an 8-9 matchup. Rotation, 725, 726, Marquette and North Carolina. North Carolina now lane about three. The total, 152.
1: And there's some three and halves out there.
2: I noticed that.
1: Uh, you know, North Carolina, correct me if I'm wrong, They were a 12 point underdog against Duke. And people were talking about, yeah, they're going to make the tournament, probably. (laughs) And all of a sudden, now they're laying three and a half against Marquette. It sure seems like an overreaction to that one very highly public game where North Carolina played very well. I could only look to
2: Marquette. The thing that's scary about looking to Marquette is um, A, the first thing you notice about Marquette is they don't rebound, they don't try to rebound, they don't care about rebounding. North Carolina cares about rebounding a lot. There will be a ton of second-chance opportunities here. Uh, and and th- listen, they, they were last in the Big East in offensive and defensive rebounding. Uh, and Baycott for North Carolina, one of the probably five or six best rebounders in the country. There's going to be a problem. Here's where I see some some edge for Marquette. The pick-and-roll rate that Marquette runs at, fourth-highest rate in the country, And that's been kind of a problem for North Carolina. It's almost always a problem for North Carolina teams because they've just got so many big bodies. However, as much as they run that pick and roll, it's not very good. And they've got a defensive stopper in leaky black. Marquette is playing really, really bad basketball down the stretch. Three and five in their last eight games. All three wins and two of the losses came against non tournament teams. Marquette with prep time scares me a little bit, but they've been so poor down the stretch that it's, I, I just can't look at them here. I, I'm at three and a half, I, I guess I'd consider it. I don't want to bet North Carolina is a favorite. I think maybe the way to go here is the over. I think North Carolina getting all these second chances, mm-hmm. uh, they they get there. So the the forced play on this game would be an over. for That's
1: me. A, that's one of the highest totals. What one fifty 150
2: and one fifty two, one fifty one, mm. yeah. So it again, this is a, a there's some things for for each side that scream, hey, this is a great matchup. Um, but yeah, it, it's. It's hard for me to to really fall in love with this Marquette team as poorly as they're playing mm-hmm. right now. Because I, I, I thought, Mar- I mean, and you thought the same thing when we talked about Marquette and Creighton coming they're, into they're the, the biggest three, tournament.
1: They're laying three against Creighton. Were no show, complete no show, double uh, revenge, and failure face. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yep. they before that they got beat by DePaul. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they've just not been playing great basketball, and it's been a while now since they beat Villanova, which was February second. That's the last time they you felt like wow, Marquette's onto something here. And that, if you remember, at that time they had won. Th- that was their eighth win in nine games. The only loss was a two point loss at Providence. And after the crummy start that they had, it was like, oh, look at this Marquette team! All of a sudden, and since that Villanova win, fell into mm-hmm. the crapper, uh, three and five. Like I said, the only wins: Georgetown, Butler, and Saint John's. That's it. The wins that you you've got to get in the Big East. You lose those games, you don't even make the Big East tournament. Well, did
1: Georgetown win a game all year long? They
2: did not win a conference game <laughs> all year long. All year long. P- poor fellas. But hey, Patrick Ewing, he's doing a great job. We'll bring him back one more year. Uh, so yeah, it, it, the over is a lean for me. North Carolina at three would be a lean. Marquette probably at three and a half would be a lean. I, but I, I don't know that I'll be involved in this game at all. Alright, let's look at 719 720. New Mexico State and Yukon. And Yukon laying seven points total at around 132.
1: Yeah, game in Buffalo, which uh, I was surprised I looked at. It's a little over a six hour drive. So a little further than, I guess, the state of New York is longer than I thought it would be. But still, you know, Connecticut will certainly have the crowd. Um, I got warned off this game. By, um, some of my sharps are like, no, New Mexico State's good. You don't want to go against them. I can only look towards the dog here.
2: Yeah, it, for me, this is going to be a play. New Mexico State plus the the points is a play for me. They've got a couple of high-end wins this year. They have size that can compete with UConn. They're not going to be able to bully UConn the way they do in WAC play because they're, they're so much more physical than the, the teams in the WAC they're not as strong of a rebounding team as they normally are, and Chris Jans has kind of complained about that. Uh, but and and UConn has, they've got guys that they can throw at Teddy Allen, who's sort of their do everything guy. Um, and it, Teddy Allen's a real problem for these lower level teams, but it's nothing that the Huskies haven't seen. I do think that. Chris Jans, the, the the New Mexico State has a a huge coaching edge. I think that he's a much better coach than Hurley. Um, the one place where I think New Mexico State can take some advantage is taking away Sonogo uh, with drop coverage, which has baffled UConn all year long. Which is where you're.
1: And this Sonogo, tell me about Sonogo. He's
2: their big man. He's kind of, uh, He's a. He's a traditional Big East big. Mm-hmm. Like he's a uh, fill up the paint, clog it up, get easy buckets off the pick and roll mostly. And when you when you use this drop coverage, you take away that that pick and roll success. They did that against the bigs in whack play. And once the ball goes into Sonogo, it's it's basically there's not he's he's not a good passer. It's it's he's either gonna lay it up or he's going to turn it over or right. he's gonna he's gonna miss a shot. Um, I think that it could become a dogfight. So I like the coaching edge. I can't quite get to taking them outright. Um, just because UConn does, ha- they've got such a talent advantage, but I I do think that seven's a, a good number here uh, for New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. When your your uh, sharp buddies, did they give you any insight as to to what they like about the Aggies, or just they they just think the number's too big? They're
1: you know, oftentimes their analysis consists of the following. We made the game six. We bet plus seven and a half.
2: That's fair enough. (laughs) I mean, uh, and who who am I to argue with those guys? Certainly. They've, uh, the guys who are doing this for a living, basically full time, looking for those those half points. Uh, I, I guess I, I don't have to care much what their reasoning is. i you know, got and mine, a lot of it matches and I, up.
1: And I apologize. A lot of this, my my subscribers, and I appreciate all you guys. They'll say, "Why do you like this game, Fez?" Can you give me the, the 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 you know the breakdown and everything else? And literally, it's all numbers. If if the spread on the game was four, I'd be laying it with Connecticut. It's like, what do I make it? What is what's available and is there a differential?
2: All right, 733 734 is Kentucky, the two seed, against St. Peter's, the 15 seed. And this matchup basically a home game for the Wildcats in Indianapolis.
1: Yes, and Kentucky is laying current number, 18?
2: current number 18, your total 132.
1: Yeah, this is, um, This is a a pass to me. I I don't have anything other than I want to mention, like, we talk about, like, big 20-point spreads and the correlation dog and under, uh, favorite and over. I'm going to caution everyone. When you get in below 20, that correlation's not nearly as good. So, by example, um, if McKenzie's available—McKenzie, if I told you St. Peter's covers this game, they cover the 18, on average, how much do they lose by? 16. 17. You're fired. (laughs) <laughs> Aj, if I tell you, St. Pete, given St. Peter's covers, set, set a line. Oh, on this given.
3: Game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's not a so, okay. It, well, it,
1: I'm gonna it, ask McKenzie again. So it's given. I tell you, St. Peter's covers. How much are they gonna lose to?
2: So they could win the game by 30, or could they could lose by 17? I'm gonna say eight points. Okay,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna lay eight. Uh, Kentucky, can I lay eight with Kentucky then? I I would say I would say probably 12 and a half. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay. So you
1: over you overreacted to yeah. your to your initial the the idea. So here's my point. So it's not going to be 17 and 16 very often. You know, maybe only 4% 17, 4% 16. So where I'm getting at, all of a sudden, if St. Peter's, hey, that's good, you know, they they cover, it's going to be a lower-scoring game until the final three minutes. But then in the final three minutes, they're going to be down 12 or 11, and now you're going to have to sweat a massive foul fest at the very end with a motivated underdog that's hung in there. So I can't play this correlation like I can when a team's a 24-point favorite And now they're up 18, and I still get a quiet final two minutes.
2: Well, here's the deal about St. Peter's. St. Peter's is, in Palm. they're 118, which is pretty high. They play in the Metro Atlantic, which isn't a great conference. Uh, They are 34th in the country on defense, defensive efficiency. They are 259th on offense. Mm -hmm. They are dreadful offensively. Here's the problem. I think this might be the biggest blowout on the board. This may huh. like this Kentucky minus eighteen will be my best bet for the for the Thursday games. St Peter's great defensive team for a Mac level team, but they what they do really well is they're gritty, they're scrappy, which those things are great when you're playing against other mm-hmm. tiny men. They don't have the size to be physical. That's a problem against Oscar Shebway. Who's probably the most physical player in the country? Their defense has not held up against high-end talent. They gave up 85 points to Providence this year. They gave up 91 points to St. John's. That's the power six conference teams that they played this year. I I don't think it's I, I don't think it's a surprise that they can be so great defensively. And then you put them up against high-end talent, like actual guys who have been recruited to to big schools. There's nothing there for him. Um, Casey and Defoe, who's their their best defensive player, it, he, and really kind of their, he's like a, a four slash five hybrid. He's six foot seven. No way he weighs two hundred pounds. He is the master of getting by on grit and scrappiness, hmm. and uh, he's going to get pushed around here. Those two Big East games, he scored seven points and had three rebounds combined. In those two games, he played 12 minutes against Providence had four fouls Uh against St. John's 12 minutes, three fouls there. They don't have, they don't have the physicality to compete against the better players. Kentucky's loaded mm-hmm. with high end talent. Um, St. Peter's, like I said, they're bad on offense. They can shoot the three. They are getting nothing inside. Three hundred and seventeenth offensively from two point on, on two point percentage. There's no easy baskets. Kentucky's gonna bully them on the other end. This to me screams the standard Kentucky November, December game that Kentucky Bring some team into Lexington, and and this is just all this is is Lexington North. But doesn't and Kentucky normally get better as the year goes on? So. That that's normally A normal Kentucky team does. A normal Kentucky team's loaded down with freshmen. Mm-hmm. This is an experienced mm-hmm. team. This is a, a team of guys who have already played in March. The this team is built to smash. The, the St. Peter's team. I I feel bad for them. They weren't supposed to went to, to be in the tournament. Iona was a Massive favorite, eleven and to, a half to win the uh, the Middle American or excuse me the Mid Atlantic Conference. They lost, so St. Peter's never even had to play them. Yeah, the Wyona Rider game, Rider yep. with the big upset. And uh, so St. Peter's strolls in, and it's nice, but but they weren't supposed to be here. I think they're they are probably a little overseeded you know, as a fifteen. A, you know,
1: that's a good point where you get you get the undeserved, where the team just just everything broke right. Somebody else did them the favor and knocked off the good team in their conference.
2: How many how many conferences had a minus money favorite? I think five or six. On the, on the whole, out of the whole board? I don't even think
1: that. So Arizona, Gonzaga, South Dakota State, Murray, Murray, and and Iona. And Iona, five, yeah. Okay. So, and maybe I missed
2: one. So Iona doesn't, they, they don't show up. They're the mm-hmm. only one that didn't show up. And now they're not in the tournament. Oh, Duke? Duke was a minus. So six, you're right. Yeah, okay. Yep. So uh, it's rare that you see, and Duke is a little different. I mean, the ACC wasn't going to be a one bid league. Mm-hmm. I own, the the MAAc was certainly a one bid league. Everyone assumed it was Iona. Uh, they call it the Iona Invitational because they just go in and win that tournament every year. They didn't this oh, year. Oh,
1: Vermont seven.
2: Okay, well there you go. If I stand you keep corrected. Coming up with them, yeah, there, yeah, there's more than we thought. It'll
1: probably be nine by the end. So. Of the show.
2: So I think St. Peter's is just, they're, they're in over their heads here. Yeah. I, I think this is a smash spot. So best bet, Kentucky minus 18 uh, for me, at least of the, for this group, the Thursday games. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, we don't want to play too much chalk
1: because in general, if you said... No doubt. Dogs are probably going to go, if, if, if I had to, gun to the head, I'd say 17 and 15 against the spread. The dogs, historically, this first round have covered more than the favorites. I don't have any numbers regarding that. Maybe Mackenzie, if you could do a little query to see how dogs have done in the first round of the tournament, if there's anything out there, I'd be what, cu- what time frame are we looking at? First round March madness games. All right. I'm going to go from 2004 to present. I'll tell you. In
2: a and second. I mean, should we look at, I mean, are we going to look at eight nines and seven tens? Too, yeah. I'll, or?
1: Across the board. Keep it simple.
2: Okay. Keep it simple. Um, okay. Let's move on to, Oh, s- before we move on, so the St. Mary's game seven forty seven seven forty eight will be the next game in chronological order. And I
1: like I like St. Mary's regardless of whether they play Wyoming or Indiana. Okay, I just think the spot is is horrendous um, where you have to play the in travel the travel you have to play on Tuesday night, and let's face it, it's probably going to be in Indiana. So Indiana has that nice run in the Big Ten tournament, playing for the tournament lives. Then. Real short trip to Dayton, Ohio, playing Dayton Tuesday, and then boom—you have to go to Portland. That is a tough travel spot for a team that's carrying heavy fatigue going into the Dayton game.
2: Well, and imagine Wyoming having to go from Wyoming to Ohio, all the way back to the West Coast. That'd be a, a long trip too. And the emotion of too. being
1: the last, arguably the last team in.
2: Yeah, you know, that... I, I was looking to play St. Mary's in the first round. I, I think St. Mary's is at a five is probably a little underseeded. I think they're very good. Um, so I'm with you. I, I, from a, a stylistic standpoint, I'd prefer a matchup ag- against Indiana. Uh, if I'm, if I'm St. Mary's, I do think Indiana's more likely to win than Wyoming. So i say it'll be St. Mary's for me as well. So uh, and like I said, we'll, we'll, because we don't have a number for this, it's hard to really like break it how like how close we are to it. But in general, if you're filling out a bracket, I'm advancing St. Mary's, and my sharps are
1: divided on this Wyoming team. One sharp really likes them. Another one says they're massively overrated. Um, I don't know much about Wyoming since Fenestembo left. I just like saying Fenestembo.
2: I am a big fan of Wyoming. I'm a fan of their head coach, mm. um, Jeff Linder, and I. What I what I've seen though with that team is there's two two things that I don't love about them. One is they're a their whole Offensive philosophy, which I love, is threes and layups. They they don't believe in mid range shots. Mm -hmm. They're either at the at the rim or the three point line, which I think is great. The problem is, as the season's gone on, their three point efficiency has regressed, and their two best players they have a their their point guard uh, is Hunter Maldonado. He's a back you down to the basket, big guy, right? Yeah, Yeah. for a point guard, certainly six seven. Yeah, ish. No, probably six five, six six, Mm -hmm. but yeah, a bigger point guard. A bully point guard. And he was hurt. Uh, for a little while. But he's healthy now. Played in the in the Mountain West Conference tournament. But he gets a lot of fouls calls. Mm. He gets, there's a lot of foul calls on him. Their other, their other guy is Graham Ike, who's a 6'9", traditional, big. A lot of fouls called mm. on him. So if your two best players are the kind of guys who are going to be in foul trouble uh, against Trace Jackson Davis, that scares me. But St. Mary's plays...
1: So slow, it's it'll shorten the game. To oh, keep them I out
2: was of. thinking for the Indiana Wyoming oh, matchup. I got you, which is which, what I was considering. Is, what's
1: the total in an Indy game?
2: Uh, I,
1: I don't know I don't, off the top of my it's head. got to be a higher total with.
2: I don't. Wyoming totals uh, are typically low, yeah. pretty low, so I can't imagine that it's too high. McKenzie's got these numbers for us: one thirty-two and a half Wyoming. Okay, All right,
1: So not a lot of possessions.
2: Uh, underdogs in the first round since two thousand four. 269, 262,
1: and 11, 50.7%. Ooh, so thin, thin. But when you think about this, you know, it, it sounds like nothing, 50.7. Let me do the math. So you got a 2.4% um, that you got to break even, 52.4%. Mm-hmm. So what that's saying, even if it's a 50.7% subset, so you're basically looking at having to pick 1.7% better than random to break even if you're taking underdogs, and now you have to pick 3.1% greater than random taking favorites, that's a pretty big difference, 3.1 yeah. versus 1. 1.7, despite it being under 51%. It's almost twice as hard. It's I, I, almost yeah. twice as hard.
2: <laughs> yes. All right. Let's go to 737-738, Creighton against San Diego State, the Aztecs, 2.5-point favorites, total 120. Somebody get me some
1: rocks because this should be a rock fight <laughs> Creighton, their point guard, is injured, right? Yep. Um, Ryan Nimhard. And, and he's out.
2: Done. Done for the Done season. Done so. Broken um, hand.
1: Anyone who's watched San Diego State knows this is a team that has fun, plays phenomenal defense, and they have to they basically have to rebuild the backboards at the end of the game. They've taken so much damage from the shots that they've taken. <laughs> um this has 27-25 at halftime. I could only look under the 120.
2: The under is going to be a play for me. These are two elite defenses, both in the top 20 overall. Uh, both teams top 10 in defending two pointers. Uh, they they both have elite shot blockers, so they make they make it where basically M- Minsa Nathan Minsa for for uh, for San Diego State, one of the best shot blockers in the country. Uh, the difference is Creighton is 314th in three point percentage. So outside shooting is not really an option for them. And I know when you hear Creighton and Coach McDermott, you think of guys firing up threes. This is not Creighton of five years ago. They are a bad, bad, bad three-point shooting team. And they've got this defensive identity now, which is very different and weird Mm. to me, like for the brand of Creighton. Uh, And then, like you said, they're without Ryan Nimhard. He is a freshman, but he's their point guard, their creator, and – probably most importantly in this matchup one of their most willing three-point shooters so to me without Nimbard this game projects a lot like the Big East final did against Villanova where Creighton lost a turnover battle and then went three of 29 from three and they just couldn't they couldn't build any offense. And remember, that was against a Villanova team that you can score inside against. Mm-hmm. Now that's not an option. I just think this is an ugly, ugly game. Uh, it, as far as the side goes, it's because San Diego State has the option of shooting from outside. Although they're, I mean, their offense is gross, but they do have a guy in Matt Bradley who is a takeover the game kind of player that Creighton just doesn't have right now. So uh, the lean would be San Diego State, but I, I I do like the under 120 here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Griffin Warner, who is my partner on the college basketball podcast that we do twice a week here, didn't pre-game. he quarterback the Rice team? Nope, that was the oh, that, no. <laughs> nope nope that was Taylor McCarg, who does a college football pod. Uh, but Griffin has his best
3: bet on this game. Let's hear it. San Diego State as my best bet for Thursday. It's a 6:27 Central Time start. Really great defense. They're facing Creighton, the same team that demolished Providence. And you might see a bit of a theme here as I'm going against the Big East a little bit. Uh, I think San Diego State is a great defense that's going to be really hard to play against. Creighton, who has lost their point guard to a broken wrist uh, and has been out for a few games, have performed fairly well considering. I just don't believe that that will continue any further. Uh, I think that they're going to be in a, a really tough position where Defense is basically what's made Creighton who they are, got them to an NCAA tournament in a position where I don't think a lot of people, even their coach, fans, anyone really thought they would be this season. Uh, But San Diego State on the other side, they're a a really trustworthy defense, and they're going to be the better defense in this matchup with also the best scorer in Matt Bradley, who can fill it up like almost nobody else in the country. And I think he's going to be a real key to this game. Currently, San Diego State, a two and a half point favorite. Um, When I'm recording this, I I think that line might climb a little bit by the time we get to tip off. So I'd be uh, cognizant of that. Uh, But ultimately, I think San Diego State wins this game and their defense really, really will uh, keep a Creighton offense very quiet. And and I don't really see them uh, putting up much of a fight. So there you go. My,
2: My lean of San Diego State. Griffin's best bet uh, it makes me feel like I'm leaning in the right direction, at least on the side. So uh, I, this is a game where I, I just have a hard time seeing Creighton get anything going.
1: And I'm going to give this out as my best bet. Under the 120 is my best
2: bet. Okay, a lot of best, lots of action on this game. Lot lots of action of <laughs> lot action. Of action. All right, let's go to 721, 722, Vermont. And Arkansas, Arkansas laying five. The total is 139.5, playing this one in Buffalo, New York. So I'm going to
1: lean to Vermont. This number has gotten away from me. So it was six, and it's dropped down to five. There's a whole lot to like about Vermont, in my opinion. You know, in many ways, it's eerily reminiscent of 2004, when Vermont took out Syracuse um, in the Northeast as well. Um The difference is is that they're playing Arkansas, so Arkansas is not going to have very many fans in Buffalo. And all the Connecticut fans, if they win, are going to stick around and root for Vermont, the maple syrup guys, to take out Arkansas and make their path easier. So you're going to see a hidden home field edge big time for the classic Cinderella underdog-type team, fundamentally sound. I've watched Vermont several times this year. They are just... They're beautiful to behold. Now, part of that is they stand so much above their competition and conference that it can, I'm worried that that's a little misleading, but they've shown coping. Um, They lost by about 10 at, Providence this year, they didn't get blown out all year long. I think they lost by about ten at Maryland,
2: eleven at Maryland, yeah. Yeah,
1: so I mean, so so there was not one dud the entire year. So I certainly don't expect them to lose by double digits in this game against an Arkansas team that seems to have peaked about three weeks too early, two weeks too early. Um, and I think that the the hidden crowd advantage is certainly enough to make this game closer than five. If you're looking for a big a big upset in the first round. This is it with Vermont.
2: Yeah, they're a team I'm looking at to, to possibly win this game. Uh, they The strength of schedule scares me from for Vermont. They, they've not played a very tough schedule. You mentioned the Providence and Maryland games. Uh, that's the only two power six teams they played all year. They beat Northern Iowa, who was the regular season champions in the Missouri Valley. That's a good win. They, they actually handled them, and that was at Northern Iowa. Uh, but that was also the very first game of the season. Mm-hmm. And then they beat Colgate at home before Christmas. Colgate, a tournament team, but I mean, comparing Colgate to Arkansas is is silly. Uh, And beyond that, like their conference is just so bad. They're the only team in this conference ranked inside the top 200 of of Kimpom. So the America East, just one of the the worst conferences. They still beat everyone
1: by a zillion.
2: Sure. Handled their business, no doubt. They are, they've got what it takes on offense to make this a game. They have the third best effective field goal percentage in the country. They don't turn the ball over. They rank third in two point percentage, 38th in three point percentage. They are elite. They're classic, layup
1: or open three. I mean, they get, and they get the ball in good position in the paint 10 feet away. And it's amazing the proper decision is made. If they can dump it down to a guy to shoot a layup, it's done every time. Or they'll kick it out to the open three shooter. They, if you hate college basketball in terms of the the pacing and just the helter skelter aspect of it, you love Vermont where you're like, dang, you know that's it's almost like a chess game. That's what I would have done, you know, in terms of the uh, proper decision being
2: made. Uh, they don't offensive rebound at all. Mm-hmm. Which is a problem, but it's I guess it's not as much of a problem when you never miss. When you never miss, yeah, you miss so rarely. Uh, but they are the best team in the country at limiting offensive rebounds. So that's that's very odd. Yeah, you would think the correlations you know would be and maybe maybe. But again, the conference that they play in probably and has maybe something its to that philosophy
1: is that when they shoot, they don't they don't crash the boards, right?
2: Also. And for Arkansas, they are ultra reliant on one guy for their offense. And JD Note is great at times and he's been great lately, but when he's not great, their team can can go downhill. For instance, the A&M game, JD Note 5 points. They lost to Texas A&M who, you know, was a 9 seed in the SEC tournament. That's problematic. The other thing is the Hogs can't shoot. They are 313th in three point percentage and Vermont ranks 22nd in two point defense in the country. So, and this is the, the sneaky little secret about Arkansas, not a good three point shooting team, very willing to try. Mm. So if, if they say, okay, we're going to clog up the paint and there's another matchup uh, tomorrow or on Friday's games, it's sort of similar. Auburn uh, is, is playing a, a very similar matchup where the paint's going to be clogged up. Auburn will take some bad shots, but I think you could see them take some bad shots. And again, because Vermont does a such a good job of limiting second chances, I think that this is a this is a winnable game for for Vermont. So I, I like Vermont. I like the over. I think this is a a, a a good paced game, and I think Vermont has some efficient offense here. Question:
1: Should I be concerned? I don't have the numbers, Musselman tournament success in the past
2: he's one of the coaches that i certainly have a lot of respect for and uh he's good at mucking games up i just think that vermont's so smooth on offense Mm. it's kind of hard to muck them up like they Mm. like you said they just do it's it's textbook college basketball and this is a john becker's a a really really good coach he's been at vermont for a long long time like I don't even know how long it goes back, but it's, it goes back a long, long way. Uh, but he, he this guy is, he knows what he's doing and he had this isn't his first rodeo in the tournament. Um, I, I think that they can compete here. I, I think that they, they could win this game. So okay. I, I'm with you. I would have loved to have gotten the six, um, and it, it five, it's probably less appealing because now you get into a free throw game and, you know, you, you or if it if it gets outside of that, you're not fouling. Mm-hmm. So, although in the tournament that you, that tends to expand a little bit, teams will foul Team a little will bit foul later. Down
3: Eleven, yeah. Sure.
2: They, so, uh yeah, I I I see Vermont as a very very live underdog in this game. All right, let's go to one of. I don't know if this is one of my favorite games or my most my like my most bummer games that got announced. Seven thirty one, seven thirty two. San Francisco and Murray State. I would have loved to see these two teams both play against a power conference team. They get mashed up together. You can get Murray State now minus one, minus one and a half. The total sitting at 137.
1: Okay, so this game is the exception to my rule. I talk about whenever a sharp syndicate group comes in and bets a game, then the number's gone, so I can't play it anymore. Where I'm willing to... Uh, go ahead and still back it, is the movement through the zero. So Murray State starts out, and they're plus one. Now they're minus one, all right? Game's not going to land on zero. Right. Not going to be a tie, and one is not nearly as common as two. So all of a sudden, you know what? I think that was very sharp money on the racers. As long as I can lay one or less, that's the side I would look to just reading the market. And let's face it, the early betters, these are pros that are betting. The public isn't hasn't gotten involved with this game yet. And they spoke very, very loudly that Murray State should be the chalk in this game.
2: So let let's get to a, a philosophical question here because right now I'm looking at the board. There are a lot of minus one and a halves out there, and then there are some picks at minus one fifteen. Which one are you more more likely to take?
1: All right, let's rank this. So minus one fifteen absolutely would be my first kick at the can. Okay. okay? Then, minus one lay a dollar 10 would be my second best bet. Then, the third best bet would be minus 120. So, then this makes sense. If the line's minus one lay a dollar 10, I'm never going to buy a half point down to sure. minus a half, which is essentially the money line minus 120. Right. But I'll certainly buy a half point for five cents from minus one, minus a dollar 10 down to minus 115. Then, um, I guess the next question would be would I rather lay minus one and a half, minus 110, or minus 125? And that one is. Too close to call.
2: So in order, because that's what you can get right now. That's what the, mo- the money line price on those minus one and a halves, uh is is minus one twenty five. So
1: in order, minus one fifteen, minus one lay a dollar ten, minus one twenty, and then minus one athlete a dollar ten or minus one twenty five. Flip a coin; they're pretty equal.
2: Although right now some uh, so bet online still has minus one fifteen. Pick them, uh, and Circa has dropped from minus one or excuse me, minus one and a half to minus one. So uh, Circa, if you still like Murray State, Circa has a minus one there for you, so at minus 110. So, uh, okay, Uh, into the actual game, Murray this season, uh, and I've been high on this team. I I love the way this team's built. They have had a huge athletic edge in the backcourt all season long. I don't know if it's as... Uh, as relevant here in this game because San Francisco's got two excellent, incredibly fast guards in Jamari Bouye and uh, Khalil Shabazz, but their big man, Masalski, has been out with a knee injury, and that not only does it matter a lot from a scoring perspective, offensive rebound perspective, Shot blocking perspective—it matters for a lot of reasons, and Murray will take advantage of it if he's not out there at 100%. Murray is an excellent rebounding team, 11th nationally in offensive rebounding, and San Francisco just doesn't have great depth up front. um So this is a, a team that has not lost since December 22nd. That was against Auburn. They hung with Auburn for most of that game. Granted. The Ohio, while the Ohio Valley is not the best conference, it's it's not a bad conference. And know? Auburn
1: was playing their best ball in
2: December. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, this is when Auburn was was coming from nowhere to becoming, you know, a one seed, two seed, basically was that that was part of their rise. Um, so but this team blew out Belmont twice. Uh, they beat Morehead State, who's a, another good OVC team. They. They not only handled the bottom of that bad OVC conference, but they handled the top. This is a legit team. Uh, and I think that they are, from a from a matchup standpoint, tough for the San Francisco team. They're switchable everywhere but the five, and they're going to exploit you wherever you're weak. And I, I worry that while San Francisco was good all year, I worry from a San Francisco standpoint, that every time they stepped up in class, they got beat. They went 0 and 5 in their conference against St. Mary's and Gonzaga, the two high-end teams in their conference. The only other team they played in the class of Murray is Loyola, who beat them by five as well. So the teams that they've stepped up to have handled them. Um, I think that this racers team is the real deal. I believe in them, especially in this game, where I still think they have some athletic edges. I do think if Masalski's out, this is like best bet material for me. But obviously, that's that's not that's something you won't know until matchups mm-hmm. are announced. But whatever it is, the fact that he wasn't playing against you know in the in the WCC tournament, even though San Francisco was by no means a lock to make the the big tournament, the fact that he wasn't playing there tells me that this knee issue is is sure is rough. That's a great point. So uh, I I like Murray quite a bit here. Uh, in fact, Griffin has a take on this as well. So let's let's get to Griffin's take on this game?
3: The Murray State Racers, currently a one and a half point favorite uh, to San Francisco and what should be maybe the, the game of Thursday night. Uh, this is a 840 Central start. And I'm, I'm really interested in the Murray State Racers at minus one and a half and see them with a, a really nice opportunity to knock out Kentucky in their next one as well. Uh, I think from what I've seen from San Francisco, they're a good ball pressure defense, uh, really from the backcourt. And Murray's got a lot of really good guards, and I don't know that there's going to be enough pressure there to really put them off. Uh, and, and really how San Francisco scores is they try to be bigger than you and try to get layups inside. I think Murray's got enough big players, uh, big guys that are athletic, that are really going to put San Francisco in a tough position defensively. And that's going to then, I think, start working on their offense as well. I think Murray's one of the best teams in this tournament. I feel like a seven seed is really underseeded. And and unfortunately, I think both of these teams would have been teams to potentially look to back moving forward. But I think Murray just looks a little bit too short to me at the current minus one and a half.
2: So there you go. Griffin Warner also matching up with me. On Murray State,
1: consensus sharp on the Racers.
2: Well, there you go. Well, and your sharps too. Everybody's yep. sharp on them. Good, good. I like to hear it. All right, let's get to rotation number seven four nine seven five zero. This is UCLA and Akron. UCLA laying thirteen and a half, a total one twenty eight and a half. This game up in Portland.
1: So all the money has been on the zips. They started out at seventeen, and we're down to fourteen. And I got to tell you, I, I mean, although it makes a lot of sense, an Akron team that's playing very well, it's starting to get to the point where I'm like, this has become too much of a, of a line move for me to ever think about backing Akron. There's a lot to like about UCLA here. Um, Akron benefited from the Kent suspensions in the MAC title game. That's one of the reasons they got yep. that big lead at halftime. By the way, that was one of my biggest bets of the year was betting on Akron first half against what was left of Kent after whatever that nonsense they got involved with. They got their players suspended. Um, The 7 p.m. late game, late start time, biorhythms, um, biorhythms. um, What do they call that? The, The biological, not biological clock. What, what circadian rhythm. circadian rhythms. There Thank you. you. Um, absolutely. We talk about that in football, the West coast team betting them Sunday, Monday night, Thursday night football, and that's going to benefit UCLA. The games in the West in Portland, that's going to benefit UCLA, so there's a lot not to like about Akron, not to mention a team that wasn't supposed to make the tournament that winds up going dancing and, what, 36 hours of alcohol consumption, <laughs> you know, after that and the like. Um, so I'm not so sure that you want to back the Zips after this big line move.
2: Yeah, the line move is probably enough to keep me from, from putting money on them, but... I do feel like Akron is dangerous here. Let, let's just put it that. I, I, I won't say I, I support playing Akron, but I wouldn't play UCLA against this team. And Akron. So remember, Akron was. You're right. They they shouldn't be here, but they were the preseason favorites to win hmm. the the, uh, the MAC. And the MAC is a pretty good conference. The MAC often has a team who makes noise. At least wins a first round game. In this tournament, the Mac is down this year, certainly. Um, and
1: Akron was a, a five and a half, six point dog in the semifinals
2: yeah. of the conference. So, if you're a six point dog in the semis of your conference, and then the team you play in the final is half of a team,
1: yes, and you're still an underdog, a one point underdog yeah. against a suspended team. Um, well, who did Akron beat in the semifinals? Like in the Mac, I can't. Oh I can't, I can't yeah. recall. I'm, where I'm going here is if they were six points worse in that game. Do you want UCLA minus eight against whatever team they beat? You know, it's like it's like well, be my biggest bet of the year.
2: Toledo, they were. Oh, Toledo.
1: Yeah. Is, you know what? Actually, wouldn't be my, but 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 UCLA minus eight against Toledo would be an absolute take. Sure. Just to put things in comparison.
2: I have been a seller on UCLA since last year. I like I just never bought into that they're this. Good. And, and part of it is, you know, I talked about what Wyoming does analytically that I love that they they shoot a lot of threes and they get a lot of layups. UCLA is like the mid-range masters. And it's such like to me, it's just such dumb basketball, but it's been working for them. And at some point, I have to just say, well, it's dumb, but it works for them. Like Final 14. Yeah, you keep shredding teams. At some point, you go, Well, I guess it works for them. Um, and I worry about Akron, their strength of schedule, n- not mm-hmm. great. Uh, they lost, they, they played Ohio state on opening day of the season lost by one point in hindsight. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good loss. Yes. Um, what Akron does that makes me like them as a, a sizable dog is they play at one of the slowest paces in the country and they force their tempo onto the game. They're really good about if, if you're fast, you're going to play slow. If you're slow, you're gonna play really slow. Mm-hmm. Like Akron is hard to, it's hard to force your tempo onto them. And UCLA is not like a tempo monster anyway. UCLA will be fine with that. The the slow teams in in the Pac-12, besides UCLA, Cal and Stanford, they they they, bl- they ended up blowing out. They mm-hmm. ended up running away from those teams. But Akron, ha- like they've got the kind of size that's probably gonna be tough for Akron to score inside against. Because Akron's big is basically a a six foot seven guy who's who's a good athletic guy with a long wingspan, but just doesn't have a lot of size. Um, and UCLA is as healthy as they've been all year, which is kind of, it's one of the things that kind of turns me off. I just don't trust UCLA to run away when possessions are probably going to be in the low maybe mid sixties. So it, it's it's going to be Akron lean for me. Um, but like you said, because I could have gotten a sixteen, I'm probably just. What were you doing on, on,
1: on Sunday night? You were uh, Texas T. Brazil.
2: No, my so my problem is I I can't just. It's hard for me to make like snap decisions, and which is it's terrible uh, come tournament time because the sharp money like as soon as that thing hits the sharp money is pushing these numbers, and I would rather be sure. Against a slightly sharpened number, than be kind of half sure against a, a loose number. Now we're getting to the part of the week where the numbers are are pretty sharp. So now it's tough. but when i when I put these bets in uh, mostly yesterday, they were still there was still some wiggle room on the games that I played. Mm-hmm. Um, that wiggle room's starting to disappear pretty quick.
1: yeah, and I, I really want to emphasize that like the number one, if there is one trait, that I would say, if you want to be a winning sports better, all right, you have to make your numbers before the numbers come out. So the wrong way, the wrong semi-sharp way to do it, oh, I'll look at what the openers are, and I'll think about it, and I'll think about whether I should play it. Bullshit. No, you've got your numbers already set. Now, it's hard here because you don't even know who's playing. That's the difference. So in, college football,
2: in college football, I agree with you completely. You should know what your number is the, as soon as they hit the board. In college, especially in this situation with the tournament, there's no way to know the matchup. So, and if you just go off of what Ken Palm says, the numbers should be. Let's say I'm just I'm not Ken Palm, so it's so, hard so, for me so, to. So,
1: what's the difference? You, you play Michigan and you get pick 'em on Michigan um, instead of laying two and a half on Michigan. Doesn't sure. sound like you know a very big difference. Well, if you look at the money line, you can play minus a dollar ten. Now you got to lay minus a dollar forty five. So think about this from baseball Lot of perspective. Movement. Imagine if you had a, a, two baseball teams and I said, you know what? I'm thinking about laying minus 145. Like, you could have played minus 110. What are you smoking? What's wrong with yeah. you? I mean, even though, like, well, it'll, it'll only matter if Michigan wins by one or two. Well, guess what? They're going to win by one or two 7% of the time is the problem. It happens. Yep. Look at Fullerton. Look, you know, look no further than the Fullerton-Long Beach State game. Opens up um, the beach one5 closes Fullerton minus 1.5, fiddle in the middle. One-point game, end of the game. Long Beach State can't get a two-point shot off. Doesn't matter whether they they make it or not. If they did, either way, you win if you had the best of
2: the number. All right, let's take a look finally at 735-736, which is Kansas TBD and Bryant and Wright State. I'll say this. I normally don't care at all about the play-in games. Bryant and Wright State will be a fun game today. Uh, they've got who do you like in that
1: MMA fight?
2: Uh, I like Bryant. <laughs> I, I like uh, I like Peter Kiss. There's a lot of people who don't like him because he is a little too swaggy. Um, but and of course, Peter Kiss is he is the leading scorer in the country. Uh, for Bryant and basically a, not just for Bryant. No, it for in the, in the country plays for Bryant. Yes. Um, he's a one man offense for that team and he, he basically he won the tournament for them and Wright State is normally the Horizon League is a lot better than it is this league, this year. So Wright State is a much more talented 16 seed than you're normally going to see. So this this should be a really entertaining game tonight. That said, what we're here for is can they hang with Kansas? <sighs> I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not in love with Kansas, certainly. You know, the
1: spot is terrible for both of these 16 seeds. Let me, you got Bryant off the brawl. All the emotions of that, and if they win this game, then the short turnaround to have to play against Kansas – and on the Wright State side, here's a team that didn't expect to go dancing necessarily, yep. gets, gets the bid. Now they get to play in their home city, not at the Nutter Center, but the UD Arena. That is going to be an enormous home court advantage for Wright State. That w- could well, probably will carry them to a victory. Um, again... Um, celebratory go to Marion's Pizza and eat like three pizzas um, you ever been to Marion's? I've not oh my god I can only imagine how much how much, um, how you, much you, I could put away we, we we need to go to the first four sometime in Dayton <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, go and get absolutely blasted by KU. So uh, either way, I will look only at a KU um, blowout. Of
2: because the of the travel set, situation.
1: And the situ- circumstances, situations, yeah. Uh,
2: McKenzie points out since 2004, 76 favorites of exactly two and a half in the NCAA tournament. Eight times that team has won by one or two, which is 7.8%. So you are right on it.
1: Wait, 8 out of 76? I'm sorry, 6. 6
2: out of 76, 7.8%. You were within one percentile with your random math knowledge. It's amazing. There you go. There you go. Pretty good, Fez. Pretty sharp, my man. All right. He even knew that 8 out of 76 couldn't be 7.8%. I know. It's amazing. You did me dirty there. That's all right. All right, Fez, let's look at some overriding bracket stuff, like just some overarching sort of big picture bracket stuff here.
1: All right, let's talk a little parody. There is a prop out there. Willing number one seed win the tournament? Now, the recent history, the great majority of the time, the number one seed has won. Yeah, uh, Mackenzie, maybe if you can look up what the exact number is, it's is like ten out of the last twelve.
2: I, pull, I pulled it up pretty recently. Like uh, R.J. had me look up since 1985, mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's pretty overwhelming. Then I, I forget what the exact number was, but it's it's. It's much more than half. Well, there's a prop, will a number one seed win the tournament?
1: And it's only minus 120 versus the field. I'm going to make a bold statement that 85%, uh, I'll go 80% of the brackets that you're going to be competing against, uh, your competitors are going to take a number one to win it all. So because of that, and it's close to 50%, I think you should strongly consider not taking a number one in your brackets to win it all.
2: I'm, I might think that it's lower than that, lower than 80%, because I do think you're, most of the brackets I've seen have Gonzaga or Arizona winning. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've seen a single one with Kansas or Baylor winning. And those are two of the one seeds that a lot of people are just writing off as.
1: You know, that's a great point because you want to play. Anyone who's semi sharp or sharp wants to play Gonzaga in Arizona. And so all of a sudden you're like, well, all the ones that are going to get there, so there's no way I'm going to. And Kansas has a great draw, so there's no way I'm going to play Baylor. Baylor might be the rare contrarian number one that no sharp is going to play because if you look at just the underlying odds, um, will Baylor or Kentucky make the final four? Um, they're close to equal chances.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and and I I like Kentucky more than I like Baylor. I like probably Purdue more than I like Baylor right now. So, mm. uh, and then in the in the Midwest region. I I I still haven't finished finalized my bracket. I I don't like Kansas though. Oh, the
1: the committee should be fired.
2: I mean, this the the
1: reason being is like, and everyone's like, oh, they did they did a really they didn't they did a really good job. It's like it's like you know what? F you to everyone who's saying the committee did a good job. F you because you know what? I could have had my son just take you know Linardi's bracketology and slaked all those teams and they and they would have done. Every bit as well, if not better, than the committee. Look at this region. Look at this joke of a region. Kansas is a weak number one. They're below average. Auburn is a joke of a number two. Wisconsin's a horrible three. And Providence is a terrible four. So the whole idea of parity is that if you have a one that's worse than all the other regions, then the two in that region should be better. Example, Baylor-Kentucky, nice balance. Kentucky's a good two, Baylor's a bad one. No, in the Midwest, every one of their top four seeds is a below average team versus that seed number. That tells me that they got it completely wrong.
2: So if you look at the Ken Palm top 40, 37 of the top 40 teams in Ken Palm made the tournament. And here's how they got divvied up. 11 of the top 40 went to the South region. 11 of the top 40 went to the East. 9 of the top 40 went to the west. 6 went to the midwest. So 11 11 9 6.
1: So that what that says is it's not just the top 4 that across the board that they've that that they've the midwest is the cupcake region.
2: Yeah, so here's so a little food for thought. The 3 seed in the midwest is Wisconsin. They were 34th in Kenpom. They stink. The 11 seed in the South is Michigan. They're 33rd in Kinpom. So Michigan better in Kinpom, an 11 seed, than a three seed Wisconsin. And
1: everybody knows this. There's three super lucky teams this year in college basketball. NC Wilmington. Don't know if they made the seed. They not. (laughs) They did not.
2: did they, did, they, did they make any turn? Uh, I don't know. They, I think that yeah, they got into a postseason tournament.
1: Uh, I, right, right, right. You, you you answered me before I finished. Yeah, I, yeah. You anticipated. Um, but obviously, Providence and Wisconsin both d- like two ultra lucky teams. Oh, you know, even though even though like 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 compl- guys like like me that haven't followed all year long, everyone knows Gonzaga and Wisconsin are like the two luckiest teams, and you don't put them in the same region. Nope, not the committee.
2: Yeah, I, that bummed me out because there were Wisconsin. Uh, Kansas and uh, to be honest, Providence, even Iowa, were teams that I were I was looking to fade in the tournament, and they all got, Auburn. They all got put in the same region, and then the teams that I wanted, like mm-hmm. I would have not been surprised if Arizona was Arizona, so. Arizona and Gonzaga were the two teams that I said, no matter what their draw, they're locked. They're in my final four. Mm-hmm. I think they're that much better than everybody else. Sure, Illinois. I would I I could have seen a scenario where I put them in my final four. They're the four seed with Arizona. Tennessee, I would have loved to put them in a final four. So we got
1: some information
2: on Arizona's point guard. So apparently Kirk Kreesa, by the way, who had a, a I tweeted it out after he I quote tweeted him. He was screaming in pain it was ugly like his whole leg is black and blue it's we bad. have some
1: undisclosed um, i'm not going to say we got inside information but we got it um on mr creisa um he's going to be out his first game he has about a 60% chance to play on sunday per our source
2: but and per that source like he he says he's got a 60% chance to play on on the in the second game on sunday which even if he doesn't i think arizona's fine but you would assume then that he will play mm-hmm. week week two of the tournament. Was is the assumption yeah. then, right? So that and that's when it's going to really matter when they're playing Houston or Illinois and Tennessee or Villanova. Those are the games where he's really going to start to matter. I, I think that Bryant, Wright State, Seton Hall, and TCU, Arizona, can get by without him. But uh, yeah, that becomes very valuable then. But uh, it's just it did frustrate me that. There there was such a weak, relatively weak division or, uh, excuse me, uh, region uh, in the Midwest when it felt like it was hard for me to pick a winner in some of the other ones. It's like, ooh, this is tough. So
1: I tweeted out how Iowa was going to be that team that was going to disappoint you, you know? And then I look at this region. No, nothing wrong with Iowa as a five seed. Yes. Iowa's good.
2: They are very strong. Five, And you know what? LSU is a strong six seed analytically.
1: Yeah. So so I send out um, an email to some of my guys, and I say Iowa's the number five seed, but they the third team in the odds to win that region. That means uh, Iowa right now is plus 370. The no is minus 550. You can bet a no on a five seed, minus 550. This is at Circa. And I typed, consider, take Iowa to win the region. Of course, I was talking about brackets. So I've got a, a professional bettor. He's a very sharp guy, but I don't think he slept last night. And he texted me, thanks for the notes, Fez. I bet all of your um, your recommendations to win the regions. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm, I text him back, what the hell are you doing? I mean, I said, every show I'm on, I say, mechanical. don't. <laughs> I say, play the mechanical parlay. Don't bet the needle in the haystack bets. And and what did he do? He went and bet all these needle in the haystacks because I said, All these teams have value, and I'm like, I was talking about brackets, Dumbo, not about actually going and making stupid bets, like Iowa plus three seventy. Are you kidding me? And I told him, I said, dump that like a bad habit, and bet the no and eat the vig.
2: Because (laughs) Iowa will, they'll, they would presumably have to have a win over Kansas. Presumably, have to have a win over you know either an Auburn or a Wisconsin. They're Uh, not going
1: to be favored by very much against Providence if it is Providence.
2: I mean, they'll be what minus one and a half. I think, yeah, probably one and a half too. Yeah, Um, but and you know, and that's if Providence wins their game. I I don't know. And they'll be
1: like minus four and a half against South Dakota State, something like that.
2: uh, Iowa, yeah. I don't know. I I kind of hope that game happens because Mm -hmm. it could be like. 130 to 125. It could be one of those. Get like mm-hmm. it could be one of the most fun games in the history, because neither one of them is going to care about defense. I would be for that, but I as much as I hate Providence, I, I just I I'm not seeing it.
1: Another so. another five seed to consider. Uh Houston very much the committee did them no favors making them a five seed in terms of the odds. Houston is the number four team to win the South. Uh the yes is plus four twenty. The no is minus six hundred. That's that was interesting to me. It was like Houston's going to make the final four. I only have to lay 600 to make 100. Um, but um, in terms of if you're looking for long shots in your brackets, you know, Iowa and U- and Houston both have very real chances to make the final four and should be considered in your bracketology and pro- your big pools.
2: The problem with Houston, one quadrant, one win all season long. It happened in their tournament title game against Memphis. That's their one quadrant one win this entire season. They didn't beat SMU. Uh, they did not. Wow. Hmm. SM, SMU is not a quad one win. They, they may have be, no Memphis beat or beat SMU oh, twice.
1: SMU, SMU wasn't a top sixty. SMU's,
2: SMU's not a quad one win. And how many do you have to beat? They split. How, how much isn't quad one like top sixty? Top 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 f- uh, top fifty. Oh, top fifty. Yeah. Okay. What's quad two? Uh, fifty to one hundred. Okay, so SMU just missed. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So Memphis, the only quad one win. Fair enough. And they lost twice to them. So they lost to Wisconsin, lost to Alabama, lost twice to Memphis.
1: You know, this whole quad one stuff is bullshit. It's, it's a way to get the, 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 the big conference teams in because if you're Vermont, you don't get to play any quad one teams. And, I mean, who cares? Like like. Um, well, let me ask you. If, um, if Vermont played uh, Ohio State, what would the spread be on that game? <sighs>
2: Ohio State. I mean, it be it would wouldn't be weighed uh, well. Ohio State's down right now, certainly. So it, I don't think that Ohio State would be way off of what Vermont is is getting against Arkansas. I think it'd, it'd probably be similar, five, five and a half.
1: And um, but Ohio State has a zillion quad one games, you yes. know, and Vermont doesn't have any, you know. Yeah. So I would know, but they is Providence a quad one? Yeah, barely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Here's the problem with Houston. All the teams that. They expected to be quad one wins. Virginia sucked Mm. this year. Butler sucked this year. Oregon sucked this year. But if
1: you beat if you beat like a a quad two by ten, that's much more impressive than beating a a quad one a a number forty five quad one by one, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, depends on what kind of quad one. Mm. Um, And then Oklahoma State. Was expected to. I mean, that was supposed to be a good win too, and it ended up not being that great. So, uh, a lot of the teams that they. It's not like they played a soft non-conference schedule, at least on paper. But then when when the season was finished, it was like these wins aren't that impressive. Like, yeah, everybody beat Virginia this year. It wasn't that wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, Oregon ended up not being one of the best teams in the Pac-12. They suck. So it 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 just kind of dampened what they did this season. Uh, They did beat a tournament team though this year, and Bryant. Oh, yeah. 111 to 44. Hmm. That's it. Did they cover? I think they covered all numbers, Hmm. as they like to say. All right. That's going to do it for our Thursday game episode uh, on this very feed tomorrow. You will have an episode breaking down all the Friday games. So we're we're back to backing for you, baby. So uh, if if we didn't get to your games, well, that's because they're coming tomorrow. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, McKenzie. Thank you, Steve Fezzik. Thanks to Griffin Warner for his work. Thanks to Dave Essler, and of course, thanks to RJ Bell. And we will see you guys tomorrow.